<clears throat> Here we go in five, four, three, two, one. TJ! Yo! How are you, brother? I'm doing good, man. What is it like now? What is this? Uh, what? It, like, first of all, what was it like that night? If for people who don't know, mm-hmm. let me just give you the rundown just so you don't have to say it. Cool. You were involved in uh, one of the most high-profile flyweight fights ever. Mm-hmm. You're the Bantamweight champion. You dropped down the flyweight. You went through this extensive training routine to get your body down to a manageable weight where you can cut the last 10 pounds or so mm-hmm. and make 125. The fight starts. Cejudo lands a good shot early. There's a lot of, lot of action, and the referee stops the fight. Mm-hmm. And I was I was shook by it. Everybody that I was watching the fight with was like, "What the fuck, dude?" And it, it was almost universal. Like no yeah. one thought it was a good stoppage. Mm-hmm. It's one of those stoppages where no one goes, "Yeah, it's a good stoppage, mm-hmm. good stoppage." No one. Everybody yeah. was like, "What the fuck?" You jumped off, and you're like, "Dude, come on, come on, man." It's been rough, man. It's a rough one to rough one to swallow on on multiple reasons. You know, um, like you say, he, he landed a good shot. Um, the, the, everything's being overshadowed by this shot that landed behind my ear. You know, um, I was over uh, off balance. I threw a right hand. I came in a little too aggressive. That's the way I fight, right? He pushed me over. I was off balance. He threw a kick. I blocked it, and he went to throw a right hand. And I tried to dip out of the way, and it was one of those shots that hits you behind the head, like right behind the ear. Not illegal, right? We're on our feet. It's completely illegal, but uh, it was an unfortunate situation. One of those punches just kind of takes your feet out from underneath you. You're 100% there, but your equilibrium's off, you know, and he jumps on me. Um, I remember hearing the ref say, Dillashaw, show me something. I told him I'm good. And I remember talking to him before the fight in the back, and he said, like, if I'm telling you that, make sure you're talking to me. Give me, show me something, you know? But how are you talking? I said it. I, I said know, I'm but, good. I mean, but in his, you know, from from his perspective, yeah. how does he expect you to talk while yeah. you're blocking well, punches? He even, he even said, too, in the back before the fight, too, like, you know, give me a thumbs up or something if you're going to choke, this or that, you know? So... Uh, to be honest, I think he was. I didn't. I didn't know who he was. I think he's really inexperienced. Watching him ref as well, too, jumping around as soon as the, the commotion kind of had happened, he was looking for a reason to stop it almost. Um, but you know, I, I can't. Was, I think he was amped up. Yeah, you know, I mean, it's a big, big fight. fight for him yeah. too. You know, for him to get a high profile fight, first time on ESPN Plus. Yes, big deal. Hundred percent, huge, huge deal. Hundred percent. So that, that's the. I think that's the part that almost bugs me more is that I was there, um, but it was the shot that hit me behind the head. Um, and then obviously the controversial stoppage. So it, it's it's a rough one to swallow. You know, it's it's definitely uh, been bugging me. But uh, I'm good about keeping my mind off of things and staying busy. I'm already back in the gym, um, doing business things and uh, trying to stay as busy as possible so I don't think about it and want to punch a hole through a wall every time I walk by one. Well, it's such a different fight because it was such an arduous task for you to get down to flyweight. I mean, people are looking. You look great right now. Your face is full. You look healthy. <laughs> but goddamn, dude, I saw you the week of the fight on television. Yeah. And I was like, look at his face. I look like got- a tweaker. Yeah, you yeah. did. You you looked like you were, uh, you know, Cejudo said it best. You look like an ultra marathon runner, like you, some guy who runs long distances. Like, if if I would have decided to cl- um, lose all the weight at the end, I wouldn't have looked like that, right? right? But I got my body down to 5 to 6% body fat, you know? So when I start losing anything towards the end, it's going to come, you're going to see it out of my face, right. you know? And I'm one of those guys that loses and gains weight out of my face, you know? After my fights, we call myself Fat Tyler because <laughs> that's my, my real name's Tyler and I go by TJ and so uh, Justin Buckles gave me that name back at Alpha Male. Like, Fat Tyler. <laughs> I'd always get puffy face after my fights so my alter ego's Fat Tyler. You know, I'm going out and eating and being an asshole. But, yeah, um, eating spaghetti and shit. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, but, uh, so when I, when I decided to like, 
if I, I did it over 12 weeks, so my body weight was down. I mean, my 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 body fat percentage is down to 5%. That's crazy. And so when you lose any more water weight or anything, you're going to see it come out of your face And it, because I was doing it for so long. Now, what was it like being that low uh, on as far as your body fat goes? What was your performance like physically? How did you feel? I actually, so... I felt the best I've ever felt before I walked out before the fight. Really? Dude, that and I, that's another reason why I'm just so bitter about this thing is because I didn't get a chance to show the work that I put in. I didn't get a chance to show all the science behind Sam Calavita and what he did to my body. I was stronger for this fight than it was my last Cody fight. I walked out two pounds heavier for this fight than I did my last Cody fight. What did you walk out to? I, before I started warming up, I weighed 149. What? Yes, and I felt great. I didn't feel bloated. I didn't wait feel nothing. Minute, wait a minute. You went from 125 to 149. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I was a glycogen battery. I was ready to fucking go. I couldn't get tired before the fight when I was warming up in the back. I seriously, like, I've never felt better than this before a fight. Like, my my mood, my energy levels, like me hitting mitts with Dwayne in the back warming up. I was feeling smooth. I was feeling good. I remember even walking out in the cage and everything felt too good. Almost too I remember looking over at Dwayne, smiling at him. I felt awesome. Um, and that's the, even more of an unfortunate situation. That I didn't get to really show that, you know? Well, I mean, hats off to Henry because he's yeah, a beast. Of course. I mean, he, he did catch you and yeah. he is one yep. of the best. And yep. he's a, I mean, there's a, the, you know, that kind of caliber of athlete is what made this fight so special. Mm -hmm. You being the Bantamweight champion, going down to flyweight. Yep. And I think the way you did it is probably the only way to really do it. Mm -hmm. I don't, Safely, yeah, for I mean, sure. I, 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 yeah. I mean, I guess you were safe because you were only you were like what one thirty five ish the day before. I made weight the night before the fight. What? Or, or no, the night before uh, weigh-ins. So I went to sleep um, one point three pounds over, and I floated that. I actually took a shit the morning of weigh-ins, which is insane. That never happens. Like my body was still working. Um, I, I wanted to make the weight the night before because obviously I hadn't made 125s. I didn't want to have to wake up in the morning and yeah. see what my body was going to do and if it was going to give me that extra water. Um, but I made I made weight super easy, man. Like, Don't get me wrong. The 12 weeks was a motherfucker. It was hard. It was a lot of work. But though the actual weight cut was easy i had no hiccups nothing like sam would tell me like what to go to bed at he knew what i was going to wake up at he tells me the water loading i'm doing um the amount of electrolytes i'm taking in the the, the amount of food i'm eating and so he knows exactly what my body's gonna wake up and do he's been tracking it for not two years now that guy sounds um, brilliant i really need to talk to him i've, I've watched videos of him mm -hmm. talking about it and seeing the work and just what a what a unique individual he is. I mean, that's why I decided to move back down to Southern California. For him, really? For him. Yeah, wow. I mean, and then everything else kind of came along with it. My life is wonderful now. The people I got around me, uh, I'm lucky that I have Dwayne Ludwig that's willing to try out, travel out and train with me out there. Um, but I moved down to Southern California because of Sam Calavita, and I came down to two weeks with him and started noticing, like, yeah, this guy knows his shit, you know? Like, yeah. I didn't uniquely, uniquely know. I mean, there's a lot of people out there who know their shit, yeah. but he seems like he's on some new level. I mean, he sent me graphs that I have on my phone of like the tr like he he like two every week we knew exactly where my body weight wanted to be at. He was telling me weights that I'd be at before I would even be there. And my body would just do it, you know. Um, so you didn't need a separate person. So he's <laughs> your. This is what's un unusual about mm -hmm. this. Normally, if you would hire somebody, you you would hire like a, a George Lockhart or someone like that, mm -hmm. Mike Dolce, and then you would you'd hire them almost specifically just for the weight cut and some nutrition advice. He's training you physically as well. He's telling me uh, my low base, like so my long distance 
distance running when I or my fasted low base. He, yeah, he does everything. My strength conditioning, my nutrition. He they make my meals. They do all my meal prep. He's telling me like wh- how much uh, low base I need to do per week, like either morning or night. He's telling me when I should train. Um, it's a everything is completely mapped out. I don't, there's no guesswork in it. There's nothing like he's telling me everything. Like he's listening to my heart rate when I'm sleeping, my heart rate variabilities. He's telling me what supplements to take. Um, all of it, you know, like everything I, I seriously, and, and, and I, that's, that's another reason why it's just so tough that this fight didn't get to like really uh, let me prove anything, not only for myself and who I am, but the work that this guy put in, you know, like I'm going to sit here and brag about him and tell him about how badass he is. But then people want to tell me like, Oh, you were malnourished. You don't have a chin. 125s was a bad cup for you. They're giving him crap all over the place. And, uh, I've almost feel just as bad for him as I do for myself for how much work he put into it and how actually how great I felt before the fight. And I didn't get a chance to show it. Like I said, I walked out at 149 glycogen battery, ready to go. Um, I've really never felt better. God. I know, man. <laughs> it, it was insane. Like I, I, I really couldn't believe like how my body absorbed everything. You know. So what are you walking around like now? Uh, I'm in low fifties. <laughs> I'm in low fifties right now, but that's because I'm trying to be at low fifties. Mm-hmm. My body instantly wanted to just store everything, and I got up to like sixties, low sixties, and I was like, oh shit. So <laughs> I started doing. I started doing some uh, uh, hot yoga and <laughs> going and where I just worked out with Sam yesterday. I'm going to his house later after this, you know. So um, that's kind of the only way my mind can stay at ease right now with everything right, that's been going on is that right. I need to get back in the gym. What was that night like after <laughs> it was over? I mean, going back to your dressing room and going back to your hotel? Um, it was rough, man. Uh, it, it was definitely a, a motherfucker. It, it was, it, I was pissed. You know, I, everyone wants to call me like a, a sore loser. I've never said I wasn't a sore loser. I fucking hate losing <laughs> more than anybody. I mean, you, you show me a champion or a high-level competitor that likes losing and I'll call you a liar. You know what I mean? I, like, I think you're 100% correct. And Jamie and I have talked about this many times when we're, you know, we're talking about uh, LeBron James mm-hmm. or Michael Jordan. Those guys were infamous for being terrible losers. I hate losing. Yeah, I mean, I just don't yeah. think you get to be that elite of the elite unless you're a fucking maniac. Yeah. I really think that. I mean, I think about it constantly. You know, I'm one of those OCD guys that's, if I'm not in the gym, I'm thinking about it. I'm yeah. thinking about my training. And sometimes I need to distract myself. You know, that's why I distract myself with other businesses or things I got going on mm-hmm. because I think about it too much. Um, and so, especially when it's a controversial thing, when people are questioning things and yeah. it's going to piss you off even more. I mean, I hate losing. So you're definitely going to see that so that night was rough man i mean the ride back to the hotel and you know i didn't want to go out i didn't really want to eat i just wanted to hang out with my son you know like just get me away from fighting let me think about my family so yeah so um where is everything at right now in terms of have you talked to the ufc what was their take on everything um i know dana said it was a quick stoppage yeah I mean, everyone's been saying it's a quick stoppage. We got Big John McCarthy. Big John McCarthy's calling out the ref, saying he thought it was a quick stoppage. We got Dana texting me a couple nights ago. He was saying the same thing. Yeah, I mean, so everyone, everyone, everyone thinks it, you know. And uh, Dana was saying like, "Hey, kid, we'll figure it out next couple days." Early stoppage. I'm obviously pissed about it. There's nothing I want this to happen, you know. So, um, my manager Tiki, he's been in talks. We haven't really heard nothing yet on on the decision what's going to happen. I love Tiki. He's the best. He's dude. a great guy. He's he's a great manager because he's been in the fight game. Yes, he, he's been around. He's fought. He's been here forever. Early UFC days. He's such so, a good dude too. He's yeah. just got such a great personality. He's yeah. just a fun guy to be around. Yeah. So he's been he's been uh, um, 
awesome for my career. I've only been with him for a short while of time, but he's been awesome for me. But uh, he's been in talks with uh, Hunter and Dana, and so we're, I'm hoping to figure out something soon because I'm ra- I'll fight tomorrow. You know, like I'll fight Henry at whatever weight he wants. I obviously would prefer 25s because. I put in a lot of work and I want to right. show that I, I know what I'm doing and it wasn't a fluke or that right. this was a fluke, that this wasn't something that, um, well, well, here's the deal. Even if the fight went longer and he stopped you mm-hmm. and he legitimately stopped yep. you, look, he's Henry Cejudo. I mean, yep. that, that's, that's a possibility. This is the game. 100%. This is, this is what it is. That's why MMA is so great. Right. It anything is can happen. Yes. You know what I mean? Like you go out there, like no matter if you're the huge favorite, anything can happen. Yes. Yeah. What it just didn't get a chance to happen. That's exactly. what's unfortunate. I mean, he really did land some good shots. He mm-hmm. really was coming on strong. I agree. But he that, came out ready. Yeah, he was. He's a he monster. Was ready. Yeah, he's a bad motherfucker. And, he, which, he, and you, so are you. Yeah. Which is why that fight was so interesting. He had some shit to prove. He was there yeah. to save the flyweight division. Yeah, and look, he did it. No one. I mean. Uh, until I had the balls enough to drop down to 2025s, there really wasn't any hype on a flyweight fight. Um, but now there was. And now there still is. And he wants yeah. to save the, He wants to talk about saving the flyweight division. Then let's do it. Well, I think you know? he wants to go up. Of course. Because and then he, he can yeah. be champ champ. Of course, and I understand that. When, it, there was no champ champ before. Yeah. <laughs> when Connor came wrong, yep. Connor really changed the game in so many ways. Yep. But I mean, one of the ways he changed the game was calling himself champ champ. Yep. Now everybody is champ champ. Yep. You know, Ryan Bader's champ champ. Yep. You know, I mean, Amanda Nunes is champ I mean, champ. It's a way to market yourself DC. and get your name out there. Yeah. It, it is a really big deal, you know. Um, but the term champ champ. Oh, yeah. It's like that is a fucking Connor McGregor. That's a Conor McGregor term. He's got some. Uh, he's got some gold behind his touch. You know, yeah. <laughs> anything he touches turns into gold. I not a lucky charm. He's a character. Man. He, he is, really man. is. He is, and I understand that. I mean, I'll fight Henry Suda whatever way he wants to fight. Because right. I, I have no. I can't I can't dictate where it goes because I just what just happened, you know. Well, it seems like the correct weight to do it would be at 25. Yeah. Cuz if you guys fought at 35, um it's, you know, it's a different ball of wax and 100%. I I just think given the circumstances and the fact that you did make the weight fairly not easy i would never say easy i I would say easy i mean like i said it's a lot of work but dude i can't believe how actual easy it was um i mean it was like going through the graphs that sam showed me and it was remarkable i got stronger i was putting up more weight so the last week before i left before my fight i was snatching and cleaning uh more weight than my last cody fight and i was lighter so my power ratio was insane it almost is unheard of um but i think it's because of how strict i had to be for those 12 weeks is Mm. maybe why um like what was your diet like like what did you eat in and out of i could you can't be in ketosis obviously because i trained too hard right but um no grains you know if i'm eating carbs simple carbs things like that like Um, fruits yeah fruits vegetables sweet potatoes things like that and you weighing everything out they do all that. I, I'm, I'm not doing it personally myself. Sam and his family do it. Um, the training lab, they make every meal, every snack. So I'm eating three meals a day. I'm actually eating pretty good calories too. I'm eating three meals a day, two snacks a day. Um, but it's also about when I stop eating, my intermittent fasting, me doing my low base while I'm, while I'm fasting to get my body to be um, burning 100% fats. And When you said doing your low base, what do you mean by that? Uh, my like long distance. so Low cardio, slow movements, yes. long Yes, so it's not hard, right? It's something where right. I'm keeping my heart rate at a certain variable. Depending on what my VO2 max is, what my RMR is, there's this crossover where your body starts burning carbs or starts burning fats. If you're sprinting, you're going hard and hard and hard, your body's going to start burning carbs because it needs to burn carbs to go that hard. But when you're at a certain level, like, so for instance, when I started camp, my crossover was at 145. So I need to keep my heart rate under 145 for 
maybe 45 minutes or maybe now I'm getting closer. I need to lose more weight. I need to go an hour. So 145 is, uh, is that 80%? No, 70% of your heart rate must be. Uh, everyone's Max, is different. It depends right. what your VO2 is. Right. Um, I don't remember what mine was exactly percentage wise. But at 145 is a sweet spot where you're burning fat. At the beginning of camp, but towards mm-hmm. the end of the camp, I can go to like 155 ah. because I got in better shape. Um, my, my, I, I don't I was just in better shape. I was a, a better f- machine to where I could go harder and still be in a fat burning substrate. Mm. Um, and then he would dictate if I needed to do 40 minutes in a minute, maybe an hour at night and depending on how we wanted my body to react. And then he's also spiking and taking away my insulin levels to get my, cause I don't want to be in ketosis always, right? Cause my body will crash, but I need to be in it to get my body weight down without losing weight unhealthy. If I would have waited to the last two weeks to crash my weight, I would have been dehydrated, but all the way up until weigh-ins, my body was over 60, 60% hydrated. Most of camp, I was 66% hydrated. Um, and that's because you don't only get hydrated from the water you drink. You're hydrated from the, the supplements you're going to take and the food you're taking in inside your cells. So when you say you're getting into ketosis, are you doing it 100% through diet or are you taking exogenous ketones? Are you mm-hmm. doing anything else? Just diet and the way I work out. Diet the way you work out. Mm-hmm. And then the in- intermittent fasting is mm-hmm. a 16-hour window you're using? We switch it up. Um, when I was getting closer to fight, yeah. Um, but when I was further out, maybe like, you know, 14 hours, things like that. And I wouldn't, I didn't, I didn't have to intermittent fast the whole camp, you know, just after a certain point where I needed to get my body weight even lower than it was at. Mm-hmm. There's this, this trend that we were following to continue to get my body weight down. And he would, um, implement certain things to, to force it that direction. Wow, it's just I've never seen. I mean, I, I know some pretty well documented training routines mm-hmm. and diet routines, and uh, some guys have really gotten into the weeds with this stuff. But mm-hmm. I, I don't think I've ever seen it like you, man. Um, I was always into training and and doing everything as as well as I can, and and finding every angle I could possibly be to be the best athlete. That's my competitive edge. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when I met Sam, I knew that was my next level. Right. Um, and I didn't realize that I had low tests before I met Sam until he tested my levels and did my hair analysis and all that stuff. I didn't realize what was going on with my body. I just trained hard and I thought I was training smart. Right. Um, but then I met Sam and it took it to a whole nother level. Well, <clears> the <throat> training hard, sometimes the problem is your body just never really gets a chance to catch up, never yeah. really gets a chance to recover. And there's a lot of really good fighters that are doing that to themselves because yeah. they're just – you know, especially wrestlers, wrestlers, they have that mentality. Just they just fucking go. They don't yeah. care if they're miserable. They're mentally tough. They keep pushing, and your body just is always behind the eight ball. You never really get a chance to recover. I was redlining my body. You yeah, know, I was. I was not eating right, and I was working out as hard as I possibly could, mm-hmm. pounding the caffeine, uh, and my body was just telling me no. You know, yeah. like my my, my, t- my testosterone was crashed, and like to see where it's at now is amazing. And now, what did he do to boost it back up? My diet, my supplementation, which all my supplements are, are food-based for the most part. I mean, there'll be supplements, but they're aminos and all whole food-based stuff. Magnesium, Oh, yeah, zinc. magnesium, zincs, uh, tryptophans, ornithines, glycines, tyrosines, oh, so krill oils. chain amino acids. All so different ways right. and different times to take them depending on what I'm doing. Um, the certain kind of creatines I'm taking, my proteins are all uh, – Organic. Um, he's uh, this company, Organ. That's I, I take a lot of their stuff. You know, they're they're, they're everything's tested or organic. Um, so everything I'm doing is all whole whole food based supplements, and then the way I'm training as well too. Like, so he's listening to my heart rate variability when I sleep. And so if, what are you what are you wearing to? Uh, I wear a heart rate monitor made by Sunto. 
Okay. Yeah. Um, but it's great company. It, it, yeah, it's not so much the heart rate monitor that does it; it's his algorithm that does it. So every morning I wake up, my phone's connected to my watch. I send my my heart rate. What to, kind of phone? Uh, phone, just a Apple phone. But it's just the, the app is uh, First Beat, I think it is. Yeah, but your watch, it's connected to your. Do you have an my Apple Sunto, watch? As, oh, no, sorry, my Sunto, Sunto watch. So and it's it connects, one of those Traverse Alphas. Is that what it is? Yeah, mine's uh, yeah, something like that. Right. But it connects to your phone through Bluetooth, and then um, and so you're wearing the monitor with the watch. The watch is just on the nightstand, okay. right? I sleep with the monitor on, mm-hmm. and it'll track me all the way through my sleep. I and mean, you mainly uh, want like you know. When you get into that REM sleep and it's like three hours and it, it'll automatically when I wake up, I, I sync it to my phone, it sends it to his program and then he's got an algorithm to tell me like what percentage recovery I am. You know, So this is his own proprietary program that he's developed himself? Yeah. Jesus yeah. Christ. It's taking him. I mean, dude, this guy's a genius, man. Like, <laughs> I'm telling you like me hanging out with him for two years and I'm finally getting it all somewhat down. You know, I've right. learned so much from him. I mean, I've learned more from him. In the last two years, than I ever learned through school, and I was a kinesiology major. I was clinical exercise science. I was going to be a physician's assistant. I was always into the body, but just going and working out with him in his garage, a little tiny, you know, garage that it looks like you never think world champions train there ever. You know, like the Aaron Picos, the Juan Archuletas, myself, Cub Swanson, like all these badass guys going and training there. It's just some little garage, but I've learned more from him in that garage than I've ever learned through any of my schools and become wanted to become a physician's assistant. That's crazy. Yeah. Um, what did you think of the Pico fight? Oh man, so unfortunate. Crazy, right? Because he's just—he's such a killer that he wants to knock everyone out. Not only does he want to be the best fighter in the world, but he wants to be the most entertaining fighter in the world. So he's looking to punish you because he's got so many weapons that he doesn't use. Um, he's so good, man. Um, but he lives by the sword and he dies by the sword, kind of thing. You know, he wants to be that—that that knock you out, entertaining fighter. He wants to be able to show a uh, highlight reel. First round knockouts, you know, um, which is great. Yeah, but you always have to understand that you are just like the guy right in front of you, yeah. and then one shot, especially in MMA, one yeah. shot can turn it all around, and it did. Mm-hmm. It was one of the most shocking knockouts I think I've ever seen because it looked like he looked fucking phenomenal. He came out there, and we knew that he had been training with you for this mm-hmm. fight. He was fucking shredded. He mm-hmm. looked like a world beater. Yeah, went out there, landed that clean uppercut, and then got just way carried away. Yeah, and it's it's unfortunate because you think I'm in shape and I do crazy things. This guy's put me to shame. Like at, in Sam's garage, what he's able to do on the bike and just his workout regimen and like just how competitive he is. Man, he's a he's a world beater. He could be by far world champion. You know, there's some things that he's in, he's so young. So he, there's some things we need to get to figure out. Everyone takes losses and uh, hoping one of these is going to spark him to realize what, how good he is everywhere, you know, and uh, yeah, it's just an unfortunate situation. MMA. Yeah. I mean, guys have bounced back from knockouts and, yep. and become world champions unquestionably. It's just, mm-hmm. he's got to make sure he doesn't have too many of those, mm-hmm. you know, and, and make sure he fights smart. Agreed. And uses the, use that goddamn wrestling. Dude, it's insane wrestling. I mean, dude. he's so good as a wrestler, and when he gets that guy hurt, he's collar tied. They're they're grabbing each other by the neck and just swinging shots. You're you're flipping a coin. You're rolling the dice. Was well, he got six fights or something like that? Yeah. I mean, it's one of those inexperienced things. And he's only twenty two. Yeah. I mean, that's the other thing. And you realize, like, when he dropped him, he could have jumped on him. He could have swarmed mm-hmm. him, like Henry sure. did to me. You yeah. know, like jump yeah. on him and, and swarm him yeah. and, and look for that finish. But. um you know, I think the inexperience kind of makes him realize like that maybe he's invincible and just 
I don't know, man. There's there's things that you kind of figure out when you've been out in the cage longer and longer, and you've been around the career. You understand there's ways to finish a fight or, or how to how to just be a smart fighter. Yeah, that he'll figure out. What was the whole experience like being on this ESPN card? Because it's a that was a historic moment, much like like the Cain Velasquez versus Junior Dos Santos, fight which also the stopped first. the same way. And <laughs> yeah, well, no, that was we legit. controversial. That but was not controversial. The, the punch though, the punch that landed right, was also right. behind the ear. Yeah, same punch. You know, yeah, like uh, it's one of those things that you it, it just takes your feet off front. if you've ever mm-hmm. fought or if you've ever been in um, got hit in the back of the head weird your feet go out from underneath you but you're there yeah. like you're 100 percent aware of what's going on but your balance isn't there then you have another grown man on top of you you know yeah. so of course things are going to happen but uh with the espn it was really cool the whole lead up to it they filmed they came and filmed my they, they were around a lot yeah they did a lot of exposure they um the stuff they put out was really cool and then just seeing like our commercial for our fight on national football on espn or for the college you know because college uh, was going on and then you see the nationals was going on and you see me and henry like three different commercials on espn i thought that was pretty cool no it was amazing yeah. you know i mean it really uh it's cool to see it's cool to see that espn is embracing the sport and then it's getting into it and you know there was a lot of hype behind this and you know i got espn plus i wasn't yeah you know, I mean, yeah. I'm not a sports fan. I don't watch sport. I don't even know what's happening. Like, what people are like, what are you doing for the Super Bowl? I'm like, when's that? <laughs> That's exactly <laughs> what I did. <laughs> I don't have time for it, man. Yeah. Um, I, I'm a I'm a Raiders fan, but I don't have time to really watch. You know, right? Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, it's just when you think of sports, you think of ESPN. Yeah, you really do. I mean, it's yeah. another level yeah. of acceptance in the in the sports world. The only yeah. thing that kind of bummed me out, and I should probably clarify this because I talked about this on the podcast, was the Hardy fight. And not, not even because I don't think the guy should be fighting, or not even because I think I, I, you know, I don't, I don't really know what he did in terms of his past. I, I know there's a lot of, there's a lot of shit, right? I mean, he was in trouble for something. There was an appeal, and he got off of it somehow. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah, but I'm only talking about it from a fighting perspective. Mm-hmm. You're watching the highest level fights. You're watching the co-main event. Mm-hmm. He's just not ready for a co-main event. No. Like technically, no. No way. Yeah. Just he, he rushed out. He gassed out. He, he burned himself out. Crowder recovered, mm-hmm. and it just—it's not the way it should be. Is you should have the early fights are people who are learning the sport, mm-hmm. and then when you get to the last couple of fights, the co-main and the main, you're supposed to be seeing assassins like you and Henry Cejudo. Mm-hmm. That's what you're supposed to be seeing. And crazy, just, yeah, crazy thing about our sport is there's a lot of entertainment behind it as well yes. too. So if you're hyped up, you get pushed up the ladder. Maybe you get title fights sooner than you should. And, that's crazy. And it is because. Now we're on ESPN. Now we're yeah. like, we're an official, I mean, we've been an official sport, but yeah, it should be more on the level like you're talking about of the actual skill level and how you're ranked. I mean, Cowboy Cerrone and uh, Alex Kidd should have been the uh, 100%, co-main event. A hundred percent. I was stunned that it wasn't. They, I couldn't imagine. They were on real, they were on ESPN though. They wanted to kind of hype up ESPN plus. You know? That so, makes sense. Yeah. That makes sense for that reason. Yeah. But there's another fight they could have put in place of that. I, I mean, agree. there's a hundred percent. And again, this is not a knock on Crowder or Hardy. They're no. guys out there doing it. They're, they're trying. They they're, did their job. They did their yeah. job. Yeah. They're fighting. I mean, the, the, the ending was super unfortunate. Yeah. Again, you don't know whether or not he did it on purpose. 
purpose, whether you, he had a mental... Look, he's, you're getting punched in the face. That stuff happens in, so fast. It's chaos. Yeah. I mean, especially because he is yeah. so new, right? Yes. He hasn't been fighting forever. Yes. Like, that stuff just happens. Like, oh, I got him hurt. Boom. Yes. You know, you exactly. Like, there's things like I've even done in practice. I'm like, oh, shit, dude. I'm so, right. I'm in practice and I did something. I'm like, oh, man, that was stupid. Like, if that happens in a fight, right. I'm losing a point. Like, I'm so sorry. You know? Right. Like, it just bums me out that this rush to commercialization, that this, this rush to trying to get... The, the most eyes on it, the people that are watching it, if you, you watch something where there's two guys who really aren't ready for a co-main event, mm -hmm. but you're seeing sloppiness and guys getting out of gas real quick and you're seeing all the things that you're supposed to learn early in your career so that by the time you get to a co-main event, you know, you're a fucking assassin. Mm -hmm. you're, you're locked down and 100% professional. Yep. You're a real elite pro fighter. That's what I want to see when I'm watching ESPN. Yep. That's what I want to see. Yep. I want to see the best of the best. Yep. I want to see world-class fighters fighting with precision and power and speed and knowing how to pace themselves. Guys with the experience, they've been there before. They know how to recover from – they get cracked. They know how to lay back. They know how to hold on. They know how to do what they need to do in order to win or fight their best mm -hmm. instead of like – just like you're seeing things and uh, so many people are, are seeing this at this point. And I feel like we're getting fans now that are more knowledgeable like yourself and, and, and people are seeing the sport and understanding technique now to where before maybe it didn't matter. You, right. you didn't know what bad technique is now, you know, but we get more knowledgeable fans to where they are going to start realizing like, what was that? Like, right. You know, the last thing you want to see is two heavyweights gassed out. Yes. That is the, the fucking worst. worst. Yeah. <laughs> Do you remember when, um, what was it, Ben Rothwell fought? Was it Mark Hunt? I think it was Ben Rothwell and Mark Hunt fought in, I, I want to say it's those two guys, but I might be wrong. See if that's in Denver. They made them fight at altitude. I remember the fight in Denver. I don't know if it was them either, but yeah, it was. It was <laughs> fucking ridiculous because they're at, they're at altitude, yeah. and they're so goddamn tired, and they're yeah. like fucking. And the UFC is like, we're never going to do a heavyweight fight again ever at altitude. Yeah. Was it? Yeah, it was Ben Rothwell, and Mark Hunt. But then they wound up doing Cain Velasquez and. Um, uh, Verdum, Verdum, Fabricio Verdum in Mexico City, which is even higher. It's two thousand feet above Denver. Verdum was smart. Went up there early. Yeah, he way looked early. like a killer out yeah, there. You know, way he, early. Um, and 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 I think from what I remember, that Kane went out there two weeks before yeah, the fight, which actually enough. makes it worse for you. It'd be better off if you went up there three days before the fight because your body's still in shock, right. rather than going up there in two weeks and now your body's screwed. Yeah, you know, you need to be there if you're going to be there early. Go six weeks yeah. or more. Don't don't go less. If you're going to go less, come a, three, a couple of days because your body's still in shock. You and know? you see how a fight like that can literally change the course of a fighter's career. Yes. yes. I mean, it changed Kane's career in many ways. Mm -hmm. You know, one one loss like that to a guy like Fabricio Verdun. Mm -hmm. You know, um, he's fighting real real soon. I'm excited for against that fight. Fra Francis Ngannou. I hope he's healthy. Shit. He has to be. I hope so. God damn it. Yeah. I mean, if he's not. He's in trouble. Because, man, he could be the best heavyweight. I mean, I think yeah. he was the best heavyweight, just unfortunate situations where he didn't get mm -hmm. to, to prove that. I mean, he's one of the... Well, I think his thing was that his body just couldn't deal with his mind. Mm. Like, his mind is so strong, and mm. his, his will and his work ethic is so powerful. And that goddamn camp of killers up That's in... true. San Jose, yeah. a.k.a. is just assassin central. And just the years of wrestling. Yeah. I mean, mm -hmm. wrestling yep. hurt me more than anything. Really? Anything from that I still do today, even if I get hurt today, it's from wrestling practice. It's Wrestling is the hardest thing on my body. Um, your neck, your back, your shoulders. 
it, it, I mean, it's, it's rough. You know, I got Sam Calvita's son right now, uh, AJ, he's been on the couch for the last four months and it was from wrestling. He hurt his back. He, uh, bulging disc in his back or, um, herniated disc, um, from wrestling and he's 16 years old. Jesus Christ. You know? That's um, a rough one when you're that young and you hurt your back. Yeah, man. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So it's, it's what a, part of his back It's lower. Yeah. Lower back. Yeah. What's he got him doing for it? I would always oh. assume a guy like that knows exactly what to do to try to heal something like yeah, that. Yeah, so up. he's been doing. So we've been. Uh, he's had to. We they tried doing everything naturally, but he's had to go and get a couple of epidurals now um, to kind of to shrink the swelling, so that um, uh, obviously it's not. So it's pushing on a nerve, mm-hmm. and so it's messing with the sciatic nerve, and it's hard for him to walk. He was having to crawl around the house like a dog, like Jesus laid on Christ. the couch forever. Now he's starting to walk, um, but Sam's got him out in the garage doing pull-ups because that's the only thing he can do mm-hmm. um, because it's a decompression. You know, He's right. able to hold onto the bar at least and, and get some pull-ups in and start to strengthen his back so that it will hold his spine kind of where it needs to be because mm-hmm. I mean, he's losing insane amounts of muscle mass. I mean, this kid was 16 years old looking good, working out with his dad out in the garage and then gets hurt. Now he looks like a, a different person. Um, yeah. I, feel, I feel bad for him being a 16-year-old kid, you know? Well, I, I definitely feel bad that he looks bad, but I'm, I really feel bad that he's got that kind of an injury at 16. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's an injury you see with guys in their 20s and 30s, and you, you know yeah. you, you realize it's a li- lifetime of beating on it. That it, When you get to that when you're 16, that's yeah. not good. Yeah, I dealt with it in my neck um, in college and then also early in my fighting career, and it messes with you. Mm. I had to get an epidural shot in my neck throughout the front. Bulging disc? Uh, yeah, I was pushing yeah. on a nerve, and I lost like 70% of the strength of my left arm, and yeah. it's rough, man. Yeah, I was on my way to the exact same thing. I was getting numbness in the hands and the ulnar nerve, which goes from like your pinky down through your elbow. I was getting pain in my elbow, mm-hmm. but I got real lucky that I found uh, a good doctor, got some spinal decompression and Regenikine. Okay. Regenikine really fixed Heard it for that. me. Yeah, it's that blood spinning procedure. Mm-hmm. They heat up your blood and, and then they, um, they they run it through a centrifuge and they pull this yellow serum out of it. There was a, we, is we, that your we, plasma, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We detailed it, what it is. We showed a thing from the website that shows the stuff they add to it, but it was pretty remarkable. And a lot of people with back injuries are finding real, real powerful relief for that because not only does it reduce the inflammation, but it actually really speeds up your healing. Mm-hmm. Um, but for me, um, the spinal decompression was like one of the best things ever. Mm-hmm. Just that harness that you s- strap on your neck and hang yeah. from the door. Okay, that fucking thing's amazing. That click, click, click. Have you done <laughs> yeah. that one? I have the one that it's it's not as nice as that one. I've used it where like you pump it up. It's like oh, a that's little, a good one too. It's like a little yeah. um, neck brace you put yeah. on and like hardly fits on anything, it's and you pump it up and it really stretches yeah. your neck yeah. out. Yeah, that's I'm, great. I'm too. gonna try to get taller. <laughs> <laughs> well, you definitely get shorter as you get older. That's true, and that's what it is. Yeah. I mean, Eddie Bravo gained an inch. He's uh, he's five nine now because he had a disc replaced. Oh wow! Yeah. Well, all the years of jujitsu yeah. and weightlifting and wrestling, everything is getting squashed. Especially him folding himself in half all the time. Yeah. You know? Oh, his lower back was destroyed. I can imagine destroyed yeah. and. Also, he's not the kind of guy who balances everything out. Like he just kind of does it and then smokes weed and yeah. goes, he eats a burrito. <laughs> <Yeah. You know? laughs> so yeah. So his lower back was just fucked beyond <laughs> fucked. It was essentially bone on bone, mm-hmm. and uh, we're just constant state of inflammation. He was always in pain. Like he'd be standing up. Like if we were somewhere, like say if we went to a bar and had a couple of drinks or something like that, he'd be standing up. He'd be in pain just standing for too long. And this is a world class jujitsu practitioner. Yeah. yeah. So he got his disc replaced. 
They gained a, an inch. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. They put a, well, I mean, he had nothing, and then yeah. all of a sudden he's got an inch of disc. Wow. And it's a titanium uh, articulating disc, so it actually moves around. It's not fused. Okay. So it's, in the old days, they would take your your two, you, these, you know, the vertebrae, mm-hmm. and lock them together and screw them in place, and it's nightmare, because, and it puts an artificial load on the upper disc above it and mm-hmm. the lower disc, because mm-hmm. now there's this unusual leverage there. But instead of that, now they use a disc, an actual disc. They put it in place, and hmm. it lasts a long-ass fucking time, and it moves around like you, and he doesn't have any pain anymore. And guys are back to rolling. And I know uh, you know some real ho- – Chris Weidman actually just got a disc replaced in his neck. I saw that as well, yeah. yeah. Now, but Kane had his fused, right? Because he had back problems, and his was his fused? He's yeah. got a bunch of shit going on yeah. in his back. He's had multiple back surgeries. Man, sucks. I don't know the exact extent of all the different surgeries that he got, but mm-hmm. he's definitely got a lot of stuff going on in his back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Interesting to see him. I hope he comes back healthy and looks good. Look, man, um, skill for skill, ability for ability, I think he, if he's not the best of all time, it's him and Fedor. You know, mm-hmm. and then the, you always have to mention Verdum because even though Stipe knocked Verdum out in the first round, Verdum has submitted the best of the best. Mm-hmm. He submitted Minotaro, he submitted Fedor, he submitted Kane. I mean, what the fuck? Yep. I mean that that guy is just for doing Verdum's record. It, if you just look for at who he's fought, who he's fought, yeah. he's the best. Yeah, I in my opinion, and for how long he's been right. around. But it's yeah. like, but when did he beat those guys? Like, yeah. when did he beat those guys? Did he beat those, like, when he beat Fedor? Fedor was as close to his prime as you can get when, you know, like, it's hard to say. Like, the Brett Rogers fight, a lot of people were saying he wasn't as focused for the Brett Rogers fight, but he still knocked him out with one punch. Remember that crazy <laughs> fucking KO? Anytime. You, yeah. you got to be ready for Fedor one yeah. punch. Yeah. But Verdum handled him, you know, on the ground and submitted him. You know, I would have loved to have seen what it was like. In pride, if he he could fight him when Fedor was at his peak, like yeah. back when he beat Minotauro. Yeah, but Verdum, you know, he's he's overlooked in that, in that argument of who's the best. And in terms of like accomplishments as a UFC fighter, well, it's Stipe because Stipe is the only guy to defend the title four times, and it really kind of bums me out that he's out of the conversation right now. Yeah, you don't hear about a Stipe fight. I he's mean, like a two, which I feel like he should get more attention for this. He's just a normal guy, like he has a full time job, yeah. or he's a firefighter. Yeah. Like I feel like more people should resonate with him because of that. Yeah, but they don't. I don't. He's a fucking great like, guy. I feel like you have to kind of be an asshole to get attention these days. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I feel like if he had beaten DC. And you know, I mean, he beat Francis. That was a big fight because mm-hmm. Francis came into that fight with a lot of hype. And after Stipe, that overeem knockout, yeah, yeah. Stipe fought like a fucking champion. Yep. He really fought like a champion. Smart. And he showed Francis. And look, Francis fought after that. He was not the same thing. No. When he fought after that, he fought Derek Lewis. Mm-hmm. You could see he was. He didn't still, want to throw anything. Right. He was yeah. still fucked up from that last fight. Yeah. And he admitted it to his credit. You know, he bounced back with the Curtis Blades fight and mm-hmm. looked fantastic. Which is in that a big fight. one for him because Blades is an awesome wrestler. Exactly. Uh, Blades Blade is a very athletic wrestler. He's huge. Yeah. yeah. He's big. He's fast. He's mm-hmm. powerful. And, you know, and that's twice Francis has beaten him. Twice he stopped him. Mm-hmm. That was his first UFC fight. Mm-hmm. So um, he stopped him then and he stopped him in this one as well. So coming into this fight with Kane, you know, there's there's a lot of questions. We haven't seen Kane in 2 years, yeah. right? It's been about 2 years. Yeah. Uh, it, it, it may be even longer. Let's say when was the last time Kane Velasquez it's been fought? A long time. Yeah, I think you might be right. I think yeah. it might be 3 years. Mm-hmm. It's been a it's while. It's crazy. I know. But 
when when he was at the top of the food chain, when Kane was at the top, he would put a fucking storm on these people that was just like a hundred year storm that would mm-hmm. never end. Mm-hmm. It's like how does this guy have this kind of endurance? And to see Verdum to do that him to to him in uh, Mexico City was crazy. I thought it was gonna be the other way around. Yeah, it was crazy. Yeah. Just see Kane tired. Yeah. So here we go. 2016. Yep, July 9th. So two and a half years. Yeah, almost. Yeah. yeah. And that was Travis Brown, which is a, just a phenomenal beating. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was uh, UFC 200. Yeah. And they did the Junior Dos Santos one. And the, the one. fight before that was a year. Mm-hmm. You know, so he's like, Fabricio, it's not like yeah. he's been active. Well, he had shoulder surgery. And in surgery. 2013, look at those yeah. gaps. Yep. Yep. Dang. Two-year gaps. Yep. Two-year gaps, one year, two-year again. That's rough, man. Yeah, it is, rough. it is rough. Especially when this is your job and how you get paid. <laughs> Fuck yeah, <laughs> you know? right? Yeah. Lucky's a heavyweight and they uh, get taken care of a little more, but yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's just I wonder how uh, how much you could fix all that stuff that's going on in the spine. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's one thing if a guy gets a knee, you know, he's got uh, ACL or something like that. You know that you can come back from that. That's a hundred percent possible. Mm-hmm. But back stuff is weird. Once it seems like once things start going, it's like you like a car. You know, once a ball joint blows out and the axle starts grinding, mm-hmm. and you're like, oh Jesus! Mm-hmm. It's like a bunch of shit's gonna go wrong. Something that that's like your core. Yeah. You know? it, but at, at his best, man, he was fucking terrifying. Yeah. Because it just I never saw a heavyweight with that kind of endurance. Man, I remember being so scared of Cain Velasquez when I was, I think I talked about this last time on your podcast, when I was a kid wrestling in college, because I was like this tiny ass little white boy wrestler, and Cain would walk around with just his singlet straps on and shorts, and he had brown pride, brown pride tattooed across his chest, he's just a huge heavyweight, wrestling D1 for ASU, I was just like so scared of that guy, I was like, damn, look at that guy, man, <laughs> walking around like wanting to probably rip my head off, has brown pride tattooed on his chest, just wearing just his singlet straps, just huge, it's funny, yeah. I remember him forever, man. Well. You know, him and DC having that kind of a relationship is such a unique situation for the two fighters that they have, uh, you know, another elite guy that's their size Mm -hmm. and they just smash each other left and and right and work with each other. That's what I try to create wherever I go. Um, And that's what we're doing in Southern California. I know Juan Archuleta, Aaron Picos, uh, Cub Swanson's. We're trying to build a room of smaller guys that we can, but we're a lot. We don't want to kill each other, right? right. And that's something right. that we I've always had to control myself. I've always gone really hard and something I've had to learn to control. Um, but having that room full of killers so that when we go to wrestling practice, like, you don't know if you're going to have a good practice. You might be getting beat up on that day. You know, right. and you go home and be all pissed off like, shit, I had a bad practice. I got taken down with this. But that's what makes you better for the next practice. If you just go to practice and beat up on everyone every day, you're never going to know what you need to change or what you need to get better at. So. I think that's why uh, Kane and, and DC have gotten so good so quick at MMA that each other to build off of, you know? And yeah, if you can to... survive it. Yeah. If you survive it, yeah. yeah. And, the, you know, like the knock on AKA, uh, some people said they train too hard because they're always injured. But mm. look at the amount of champions they produced. Yes. Look at the amount of fucking killers that have come out of there. Luke Rockhold, yep. DC, Kane, mm-hmm. Khabib. I mm-hmm. mean, get the fuck out of here. That yep. place is... Uh, a, a den of assassins. Yeah, if you can survive it, right? Yeah. I mean, that's perfect. I mean, yeah, I mean... That's the only way, man. Yeah, I, I mean, agree. look, it's not good to spar a full clip like old school Lion's Den days yep. where they used to beat the shit out of each other or the Militich days. I mean, nobody knew any, anything back then. Mm-hmm. They didn't know the consequences. They didn't know what it's like. Mm-hmm. Speaking of which, um, there's an article in the New York Times today that I was reading on uh, a guy that we knew, Jason Harrison, mm. um, and it just talks about his CTE and how bad it was. 
And, um, you know, uh, Jason is a guy who founded this clothing company that we know called Kuyu. And um, he'd been on the podcast before. I knew him pretty well. Yeah, it's crazy because something you never would have guessed how bad it was either. Yeah, because... Every time I see him, he's happy. He's awesome. For people who don't know the story, he committed suicide um, about a year ago or so. Yeah, about that, yeah. And um, no one... No one outside of it saw it coming. It was mm-hmm. a, a, just a giant, crazy blow. And, um, you know, I was uh, texting back and forth with one of his friends and, uh, you know, essentially said he had a broken brain, man. Didn't make sense because you, when your brain's broken, it's like having a broken phone. It's like having a broken anything. It's just broken. Yeah. It's not It's not working right. It, <clears throat> it's irrational. It doesn't make sense. I couldn't imagine the thoughts that had been going through his head to have that happen because, like, I was texting him two weeks before it happened, like, talking about going on a hunt with him and doing this and that. And he's, like, talking about how great the business is doing. Like, you think he's living the American dream. Like, yeah. the, awesome, you know, so it's tough, man. I couldn't even I couldn't even put myself, like, to have that kind of torture. Well, you know, you know he was friends with Donald Jr., Donald Trump Jr., and, you know, they hunted together. And he was talking to him just a few hours before. Mm-hmm. Like, everything was fine. Yeah. You know, they were going back and forth with each other. Everybody was blown away. Like, what happened? Like, how how could this possibly happen? Yeah. But, you know. Scary thing. More reason for us to be smart as we possibly can with our training. Yes. A hundred percent. That's yeah. what I was going to get into. Mm-hmm. This, um, the, that you, there is a way to train hard, but save your body from especially critical damage, like brain damage. Mm-hmm. There is a way to do that. And Dwayne has been a savior to me because of that. You know, Dwayne with his experience of fighting mm-hmm. and being through the gyms and him probably going too hard himself. We've learned a lot of uh, hard drilling and, and live drilling uh, through him that is probably going to prolong my career and hopefully my life and, and not going as hard and just sparring. Because, like, before before Dwayne, when I was at Alpha Mill, we sparred, like, three, four times a week. We just went. You know, that's what yeah. we did. We were wrestlers, and that's how we knew how to get better was just right. go. And then he came in and started teaching us, like, how to drill and how to to really get better and your reaction times everything with with fighting without having to beat yourself up so much my injuries were less i wasn't getting injured as much um and and i actually got a lot better too yeah i think sparring is critical i think it is important but i think maybe as critical or maybe more is drilling Mm -hmm. and this is with all martial arts including jujitsu and jujitsu it's you know you know you do jujitsu yep. it's fun so everybody wants to just slap hands punch Go. knuckles and start rolling because yeah. it's fun yeah it's fun to, it's like a fun game you're doing it's a good release yeah, yeah. It, but the best way to get better at it is to constantly drill mm-hmm. and then you develop these pathways that are just ingrained in your subconscious and so when you're in that half guard position you immediately go for that underhook you immediately you know the path mm-hmm. you know where to go instead of ad-libbing and thinking while you're in the middle of a roll and when you see guys that come from camps where they don't drill they only do like one technique at the beginning of the class you'll notice a technical deficiency mm-hmm. as opposed to like someone who comes from Hickson school or mm-hmm. someone who comes from a school that's very technical or you know the Mendez brothers or something mm-hmm. you know though it's just it's so important to look at this look at the sport whether it's MMA or kickboxing or jiu-jitsu whatever it is but to look at it like a like a puzzle mm-hmm. like you're trying to figure out What's the best way to solve this? Mm-hmm. And, you know, what Dwayne has done for you, it's been pretty remarkable as far as, like, giving you footwork skills and tools to move around and angles. And, I, you know, I've watched you guys dra- drill and train together. I mean, it's really amazing stuff. Yeah, stuff that we think is simple, and then we go and teach another gym. And, we're, and they're just like, wait, what? Can you guys do that, like, ten yeah. more times? We need to see that again. It's like, oh, 
Uh, right. All right. So we've just been doing like the footwork I've created with Dwayne. Like, he wasn't a footwork guy. When he fought, he was straight forward, punches the tornadoes, and then like he's the one that's created all these angles with me, and now we've created a whole new style. It's so funny that he saw that kind of while he was fighting, and then after he was fighting, he's implementing it on new fighters and didn't do it himself. Yeah. And he laughs about it. Yeah. He he wishes he probably would have had someone like himself coach him, obviously. You know? <laughs> Fucking for sure. Um, yeah. Everybody does. Yeah. Yeah, like he's I mean, a fucking wizard, man. He is. Well, because he doesn't stop thinking about it either. Too. He's yeah. like a Sam Calavita for like. I'm. I'm telling you, like I have all the best coaches in the world around me. Like he's like Sam Calavita of striking in MMA. Um, and I'm trying to convince him to come to Southern California and start a professional fight team so that we can help recreate what we do for everyone. Trying I mean, to get him to move out here? Yeah. But he loves Colorado. He man. does. He does. But he also loves being the best coach in the world. And he, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so I'm hoping that I can convince him enough that he, he'll do that. You know? How close um, do you think you are to convincing him? I think I'm close. Dwayne. Yeah, Dwayne I'm, I know you're listening, you. brother. <laughs> You know you want to come to California. I've never seen anybody with as detailed um, a, an instruction manual, like the way he breaks down his system. No like matter for what For striking, it is, yeah. I mean, it's really remarkable. Yeah. Even when he comes into here to talk to you, he'll have a system written in his house, what he wants to talk about, what he wants to do. Like, the guy doesn't stop thinking. He is, he's on top of his stuff. He's OCD yeah. in a good way. Yeah, in the best yeah. way. In the best yeah. way, absolutely. Well, it's like you were saying about being competitive. I yeah. mean, I think it's, it, you... The idea that you're going to be this balanced, chilled out person and still be a fucking world smasher. <laughs> Good luck with that. I'm the farthest thing from relaxed and chill. You know, <laughs> yes. uh, I, I well, try you to work are right on it. now, but yeah. but when you're training and when you look, yeah. you there's a mindset that's required to beat the best guys, and it's not the same mindset that's required to get good. Mm -hmm. To get good, you could get good and be a chilled out, relaxed person. Like mm -hmm. say you want to be a black belt in jujitsu, that's totally possible. Yeah, you could be really good. People can go, hey, look at Mike, man. Mike has got a great triangle. Watch him roll. Wow, he's really good. But if Mike wants to be the motherfucker of motherfuckers, you better be crazy. Yep. You better be goddamn crazy. You better be like Mike Tyson when he was young. Yep. Be those Michael Jordans yeah. that you're talking about that are always thinking about it. Roy know? Jones Jr. Yes. All those guys. You yep. got to be a fucking crazy person. Absolutely. Remember when Roy Jones Jr. played a professional basketball game <laughs> the day of his fight? Played a goddamn man, basketball game the day of his fight. That's a competitive dude. And he's just an athlete, man, yeah. too. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I just don't think there's any other way. I mean, I think if you're going to win a race, you're going to redline the engine. Mm -hmm. I just don't see how you're going to beat the best guy. Everybody is trying their best. Yep. This is the thing. Yep. There's so much going on there. Mm -hmm. I mean, you could have like a really good coach, so you have an advantage technically. You could have a, a really good group of guys you train with, so you have an advantage in the environment that you're training in, and there's a lot of inspiration. But if you're not a fucking psychopath, mm -hmm. good luck. Yep. Good luck. I agree with you 100%, man. <laughs> I mean, I agree with you because that's how I am, though, too. I know. You know so. That's why I'm saying it. Yeah. I'm just letting it. I mean, people who, like, wonder why you're so fucking crazy, like, yeah. well, that's why he's so good. Yeah. There's, no, there's no other way around this game. I appreciate it. I mean. Listen, I appreciate it, too. I mean, for me, as a, a fan and as a professional commentator, you know, this is it's, it's important to me. If there's not people like you out there that are raising the bar, you know, people like you and Henry Cejudo mm -hmm. and just to, you can go through the list of champions, the great fighters that are around today. Mm -hmm. This is the best 
time in the history of the world to see martial arts. There's never been better martial arts. Never. It, well, the information is so easily accessible as yes, well, too. You know, yes. like when I was wrestling as a kid, yeah, you got like we're talking about drilling. I remember being a kid and like drilling the same move thousands of times. You're like, why are we doing this again? You're so I, bored. I, right? I learned this, you know. Yeah. But now I understand it being in my profession how important it is, and now how easy like information. Like for instance, I created my Fit to Fight program, like my online academy thing, and I'm showing technique that I've learned over my whole entire life, and it created me a year to create it. But I'm giving you information. Like think if. When I was starting up, I wish I could have learned from other world champions just by going online. Or when I was a wrestler, if I wanted to learn Sam Calavita's uh, nutrition plan, I can just go online and check it out. Yeah, you know, no, Sam has a he has a whole online program, correct? Yeah, he has an app he started called Train Champ, and it's on his uh, website uh, traininglab.com. Is um, it uh, Android and iPhone? Is it yeah. for both? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's uh, it, it'll go through like his workout routines. It goes through the supplementation he puts me on. It goes through. It has certain recipes that I've been on throughout my fight camp. The first one he created was around around me first, um, because we had put so much work in to go twenty five. So we created a whole supplementation and diet plan and workout plan of what I did and put it out there accessible for people. I mean, he even has a, um, you can even get a hair analysis on his app. You send in, like they send you a little kit, you cut off on the back of your head where your brainstem's at, you cut off your hair and you send Why where the brainstem's at? That's where all your nutrition comes out at. Whoa. That's where all the nutrients from your nervous system will Who come through. Who the fuck figured that out? I don't know. They, they burn the hair and they get the, the toxins from it. Whoa. That's how I found out I have too much arsenic in my body. I what thought, were you eating that gave you that arsenic? He thinks maybe the rice or maybe my tattoos. Tattoos. Uh, mm -hmm. He thinks or it's really big in tobacco. Um, there's a, there's a lot of things. I mean, just, since arsenic is big in tobacco, mm -hmm. really. Mm -hmm. So like, if you chew, yeah, chewing. I, I used chew? to chew. I used to chew in college. Mm. Um, yeah, but that wouldn't be still in your system. I don't. Well, think. your body won't get rid of heavy metals unless you make it get rid of heavy metals. You have to really? do like a detox. Um, what do you do? Uh, so I juice. I do a lot of juicing. Um, but I juice. Uh, like a quarter cup of cilantro every day within all my juices. I take a cilantro is effective in getting heavy metals out of your system. Mm -hmm. Yeah, big time. Oh. And same with uh, methionine. Burritos too. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, methionine. Well, juicing it's you get actually absorb a lot more of the nutrients when you cold press juice it compared to just eating it. I can eat a whole table of fruits and vegetables, and I'll absorb more of the nutrients from it if I juice it rather than just eating it raw. Really? Mm -hmm. hmm, interesting. Because your body doesn't break it down the same. But then I also take methionine. It's a, a Methionine, I don't know how to pronounce it, mm -hmm. but it's a uh, amino that helps push out heavy metals. Uh, chlorella and spirulina will help push out heavy metals. Um, what else do you have me on? I tested positive for arsenic back in the day because I was eating too much sardines. Yeah, they're heavy in sardines. Yeah, yeah but mm -hmm. all I did is just back off the sardines and it went away. You tested it again? Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. And you never tried uh, pushing it out, huh? I didn't do shit. Huh. Interesting. Yeah. Well, how did you test it, though? Blood work. Blood work. So yeah. the blood work, so that's one th the difference though. When you do your blood, it's only right then and there what's in your body. So when you like when you do your hormone levels, you have to go in in the morning and, and get your blood drawn before you eat or drink anything. Right. Because it's what's in your body right then and there. But when you do a hair analysis, it's what's in your body like the last like nine months. Or mm -hmm. it's more, f it tells you more what's in your actual body over time. Yeah. You know, because you might have just pushed the arsenic out of your blood rather than out of your, out of everything. Hmm. At least that's what he told me. And he's a mathematician by trade. Is that what he is? He's a calculus teacher at a private oh. uh, private school. Uh, the world's best calculus teacher. He won some award. Um, 
as kids that take the placement test as advanced placement test, they all got a hundred percent. I think there's a, I think there's a kid that missed one question. That's crazy. Just one kid. Um, there's kids that travel all over the world to come to his school because of his accolades of being a calculus teacher. Wow. Yeah. I mean, numbers never lie, you know? And I think that's what was always, uh, drawn to like his, his results and his studies is always numbers. Everything comes back to the numbers of your body, your hormone levels of my, um, heart rate variability. Everything's done by numbers. Wow. So this is all a system that he devised himself. Did he, I mean, does he have a background in combat sports at all? He wrestled. So he wrestled at Cal State Fullerton. He was a big time wrestler. And then he was the world's strongest man. Uh, They did like that at Disneyland. They used to do the world's strongest man. Mm -hmm. And he won for like the nation's uh, strongest man competition. So he was huge. He used to be giant. How much did he weigh? Like 260. 280 and now he's probably like 160 170 pounds that's crazy yeah he was giant like you could stack a cup on his chest his chest was so big you know um but i would never guess that looking at him he looks like a marathon runner he is now he does ironmans so he switched up once he like he so i think he had some health issues from getting so big and being so strong he decided to switch things up and he just got into his body because he started doing ironmans and he wanted to get better at being an Ironman, so really got into how to train himself. And uh, now he's done 14 Ironmans. He's qualified for Kona now. He's going to do Kona in October. Wow. Um, how old is he? Uh, I want to say 53 or 54. Wow. I think he just turned 54. Still getting after it. Yeah, man. Like he, Every day. I went and worked out with him yesterday. He did it, and then... Uh, when I got there, he'll get in the garage and he'll do like a two-hour bike ride and then get on the treadmill and he's always doing power intervals. And Will he come in and do a podcast? I can kind of talk him to. He, yeah. He's uh, he's very – he tries to hide everything he does. He doesn't want his intellectual value getting out there. He puts a lot of right. work into it. And I think he'd be really good on your podcast because like some of the guys you come in, you're like information goes way over your head. Mm-hmm. But it's nice to be able to listen to it again and listen to it again. Right, right, yeah. Um, I'd like to convince him to come on. I, I think it'd be really interesting. I don't know if he would. He's a real sheltered kind of guy. What do you think it'd be easier to do? Talk Dwayne into moving to California or talk Calvita into coming on here? <laughs> Man, I think maybe talking Dwayne into coming to California. Really? I don't know. Um, Just got to get him used to that beach life. Yeah. I mean, he so he's been coming down. Like I said, uh, my fight camp was ten weeks long from for, with him. I was longer, but with him it was ten weeks, and he was flying out three days a week. So every Monday he would land, he would leave Wednesday night. Wow! And we would train Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and the, hard, right? I make sure to take like Thursday off, and then do my other stuff while he's gone. But every week he was traveling back and forth. That's fucking dedication, right there, dude. I have. We're family now, you know, like yeah. he's lived in my house. Like he's on the meal plans with the Calvitas. Like he's full bore into it. Like he gives me his all. I'm, I'm a very fortunate person to have met Dwayne and it's an amazing our, relationship, our relationship. Yeah. How close yeah, it is. It really is. And yeah. I mean, that's the ideal when you can get a mentor and a, and a, a student that have that kind of a bond together and you can learn so much. Yeah. And he won't let. Like, we have such a good bond now, too, that he won't, like, let bullshit slide. He won't be pumping mm-hmm. me up for no reason. Right. He won't, like, let me. I mean, I'm not a lazy guy, but if I was, he wouldn't let me, like, mispractice or, right. you know. I mean, he almost has to pull me back more than anything. But uh, he gives me this true assessment of what needs to be done. Mm. Um, I obviously lost the pseudo. We got home, and he instantly texted me. He's like, hey, I'm coming out tomorrow. I'm going to work out with uh, Juan, but I'd love to get some work in with you. We just Some things we should go over. I was like, all right. <laughs> wow. So, like, I was working out with him three days after the fight what did he say about that exchange um he says like he maybe he needs to uh, change some things on the mitts and maybe like 
so for instance, the whole exchange, uh, I think I closed the distance too hard. Henry Suda switched up who he was as a fighter. Uh, I think he came out differently, which was great by him. He's done great things. He, um, I expected him to maybe run a little bit more and he came out aggressive. Um, and so getting used to the distance control, you know, not always having a set plan and, and going for those combos, what I think is going to happen to be able to adjust on the fly. And maybe me and him, sometimes we are too set on certain things rather than, um, reaction time stuff, you know, and I need to react to distance change. I need to react to things like that. It's hard to really change anything on that fight because I didn't get a chance to see it either. Right. You know, it was so, so quick. Now, do you, have you talked to Dana or anyone since? I know you said that you guys would talk in the future, but it's been about what? How many days? It's been about a week or so? It's been two, uh, about a week and a half. Yeah. It's been a week and a half now. Yeah. Um, I haven't heard anything since the, the day after the fight, I was texting with him the day after the fight and he said they have to sit down and figure out what the plan is kind of thing, you know? Um, but obviously everyone knows that we want to run it back and, and it sounds like they do as well too. So, well, as far as something that people want to watch, whether it's at 35 or 25, I think people absolutely would like to see that. I mean, at 35, the big selling point would be Henry gets a chance to become champ champ. Of course. Do I'll fight him at 25 and put my 35 pound belt on the line? I I really works that way. I know it doesn't, but I'm saying like, (laughs) If you beat me, like I'll just, like I seriously, like I wouldn't, Give even, it to I seriously don't even care. Like, yeah, the belts are awesome, all that stuff, and the rec- recognition, all that stuff. But to me, I want that, I want that win back. I, I want that opportunity back to even just show how much work and how smart I was and how I didn't get, I didn't get hit and, and I wasn't fragile from being at 25. Right. I really wasn't. Like, I wasn't like, um, I didn't get beat because I was a 25 pounder. I felt I have no excuses. I got beat because I got beat, right? I have no excuses that I was too fragile at being at 125. I felt mm-hmm. better than I've ever felt my entire life. I just want the chance to prove that. You know right. what I mean? So that's why I say that I would give him my belt at 35s if he beats me at 25s again. But well, I'll obviously take the fight wherever. I mean, I think Ali needed Frazier, right? Yeah. Sugar Ray needed Tommy Hearns. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is just the, this is the nature of the sport. And yeah. a guy like him, I mean, I think you you and Cody needed each other. Yeah. I think there's something about that kind of intense rivalry yeah. that is so important for 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 actualizing. For and Cejudo's a motherfucker, man. He's good. I mean, he's a he's a world he's a Olympic gold medalist. He's a competitor. He knows what he's doing, right? I mean, just arguably from his accomplishments, he's yeah. one of the greatest combat sports athletes of all time. Yeah, the guy's an, the first guy ever to be an Olympic gold medalist and a, a UFC world champion. Which I, the gold medalist thing, I even hold even higher for him than even being a world like. Obviously, UFC champion is huge, right? Mm-hmm. But I wrestled my whole life. I grew up wrestling. And to be an Olympic gold medalist is a fucking huge thing. Yeah. Um, I still think today wrestling is the hardest sport I've ever done. And to, to see that achievement, especially how young he did it at, mm-hmm. that's I almost hold that higher than him being a, a UFC champion. Well, also the fact that he was beat by DJ. He beat by, beat by Mighty Mouse in the first round. He yeah. gets destroyed. He gets kneed to the body, taken out, beaten up, and stopped and humiliated, yeah. right? Comes back, mm-hmm. and what was it, like two years later? And I think fucking it was beats years, him. Yeah. And mm-hmm. beats him. Mm-hmm. I mean, becomes the fucking champ and beats the pound-for-pound pound consensus best fighter on the planet mm-hmm. and the guy that had held that title from the very first time it was ever brought to the UFC. He's been the only flyweight champion until Henry came along. So, And that's another reason why I want that fight, man. Like, You know what I mean? Like, I know yeah. that I'm better than him. Obviously... You're gonna give me some. Sh- People are gonna give me shit for saying that because obviously the fight they, they all think it went down the way it went down. But guess what? I'm better than that motherfucker, and I want to prove it. I want the toughest fights. I mean, that's why I was calling out Max Holloway. I wanted, to, I wanted yeah. to beat Henry Cejudo. I want to call out Max Holloway with Sam Calvita. I could be walking around 165 pounds with six percent body fat. 
You know, hundred percent. Like this guy, man, he can stack the weight on me. He can take it off me. I can go. I have a secret weapon with Sam Calvita. I'm telling you, and I could have. It's it, not a secret. You just yeah. You blurred but, it out. But but people, he won't work with everyone. He won't really? do it. Yeah. If you come to him, like unless you fit who he he likes, if you fit his image, like we what work out of like? his, we work out of his garage. I know that, which is so crazy. You know, like he I could mean, have a giant facility with all his hard work and science he does, but he likes the the grit of having it in his house. Like he gets home from work, he's all dressed up in his tie. Sometimes we're already there waiting for him, and he's doesn't even change. He's out there throwing medicine balls at our face in his tie and all dressed up from his suit from work. You know, like. <laughs> He likes that shit. You know, wow, he could probably not even be a calculus teacher anymore and just be a strength conditioning coach, but that's not what he wants. You know, he's not in it for the fame and the money. He's in it for the science and the love of doing it. I want to see that garage. Get, pull pull up his garage because this doesn't. Now I'm thinking about how big my fucking gym out here is. You couldn't even park two cars in it. <laughs> it's it's a small garage. We have one uh, one squat rack. We have a spot to do like our cleans and our um, deadlifts. What he really has is he has three, four bikes, or no, three bikes. So there it is. Yeah. That's crazy. So it's a yeah. very small two-car garage yeah. that he's got filled with a bunch of murderers. Yeah, he's got like three bikes that we ride. Jesus like, Christ, imagine walking by if you were a girl. The, oh, dude, all the time. <laughs> people people walk by all the time. We're in the garage, and I, I'm yelling when I'm in there working out because he's pushing us. Like, right. Sometimes our workouts are three hours long. Yeah. You know, and we're going, there's a park across the street and we're throwing medicine balls there's at Pico. each other. And go to that, back to that last one with Pico, please. Yeah. You get a chance to see what's in the, the garage. So he, I guess he parks his car in the driveway. <laughs> oh yeah. He doesn't, he doesn't park. That's his sanctuary, man. That's crazy. Uh, he's got these stationary bikes in there that where he kills us on. That's like, um, how we push our lactate thresholds. So what does he, he's doing something with bands right here. Is that what yeah. He, that's he does a lot of things with bands, right? Yeah. Cause you get the eccentric and concentric contraction. You know, you have a strength, He's like, what he's doing it there is for your shoulder stability, mm-hmm. you know, your rotator cuffs. I mean, yeah. with the jujitsu and the wrestling, your shoulders take a beating. Yeah. Um, and so that's kind of really just strengthen it. Yeah, I do a lot of cuff stuff because uh, the, all the, the different injuries that I've had, I do a lot of band stuff with my, you know, like yep. these, this way. The and external way. rotation, yeah. internal rotation stuff. Yeah, bands are great. <laughs> Now, why bands, though, as, appro- as opposed to cables? Like cables with uh, stacks of weight. Why does he use bands? Probably just what's what we have. I mean, if you had a nice Kaiser machine in there, maybe we'd use it. But I think um, the resistance coming back really, really wants to pull. The further you extend a band, the harder it wants to pull you back mm-hmm. to where when you have a weight on there, it's the exact same weight going in and out. Right. To where the further you extend that band, the harder you make it on yourself. Mm. There's, I think there's just more you can do with it, and it's just very easy and takes up no space. Right, right. Um, we do a lot of medicine ball work um, for our core and for our shoulders as well, too, like catching in weird angles uh, with keeping our balance. Um, we do like a lot of like kind of like old school shit. But in a certain way, in a certain time. Yeah, and so how does he get all that shit into his garage? Does he have to pull stuff out into the driveway? There's stuff on the side of his house. He's got like a little chest he stacks stuff into, and um, man, we a lot of it's he doesn't need much. He really doesn't. There's a, there's a lot of work you can do with just body weight. Mm-hmm. Med- I mean, we have 100 pound medicine balls. We got these big logs, and he makes it like it's almost like uh, the strongman competitions. There's a big <laughs> there's a big hill next to his house that he makes us carry these like 100 pound logs, and we have the farmers carry them up the hill, and we're doing it with a partner. And when I get up so far, I drop my run back. I get the 100 pound medicine ball. I have to sprint up the hill with it. Things like that, where you're pushing your your lactate threshold over time. Wow. Yeah. And how does he schedule the the training sessions? Like, how does he know what to have you do and when? 
off of our time frame of when we want to peak, off of my heart rate variability and how my body's reacting to our training. Because maybe I sparred and I did mitts too hard with Dwayne. So I wake up the next morning and he realizes, oh, we got to pull back today. Like if I push you hard today, you're going to go in such a deep hole that it's going to take you a week to come out of it. Mm. To where he only wants me to get to that really high peak take a day off so that now I can start coming back up again to where if I just continue for four or five days, just crushing it right. run as hard as I possibly can, my body's going to crash so hard that it's going to take me, it's going to be more of a detriment to come out of that hole than if I would have just taken a break in between those days. So he'll, he'll schedule, uh, our schedules will change. We have a, we have a schedule from the beginning. So say I'm 12 weeks out, like, all right, this is our plan. This is what we're going to do. But then maybe I get sick. Or maybe I trained too hard with Dwayne the day before. And so he'll realize, all right, this next day, let's, let's go a little bit easier. Even if it's my jujitsu, he knows I'm going to jujitsu practice. He's like, maybe just drill. You know, go with Felipe and just make sure it's a, like a low base drill. Like, don't get your heart rate over such and such, which mm-hmm. I don't roll with the heart rate monitor on, but I can, can kind of just guess, you know, how hard I need to go. Yeah, I've never, ro- could you? I guess you could. Does yeah, anybody, you, do you know anybody that does? Mm-mm. No, it seems like it would get knocked off or something. Yeah. Right? I mean, maybe for drilling. Yeah. You know. So when he's got you doing all this crazy stuff like deadlifts and plyos and all medicine ball work, um, does, is there like a logic to what exercises are done when mm-hmm. and like, how does he like, cause it seems like you're doing all this old school stuff, like badass stuff. Mm-hmm. But my question is always like, when do you do that? Yes. Like when is that, when is that done? Like once a week, is that done early in the training camp? Is it done late? Like when are you doing strength work? And you're, cause you were saying you were doing cleans mm-hmm. like the week out. Mm-hmm. Only uh, so when I'm doing those like a week out, I'm doing them only a certain amount of reps. Um, you know, I'm not maybe not taxing my body for as long as I would in earlier camp. Mm-hmm. And even though I'm going heavy, maybe I'm only doing two sets. You know, right. just to keep my central nervous system strong. Because right. oh, yeah. uh, other than just taxing yourself, you know, or there's certain times, I'll, like there's certain days he knows I need to get explosive power work, or some days I need to do cadence, fast foot, fast feet, um, cardio work, mm-hmm. um, and he has that all mapped out on what days are what, what weeks are what, depending on where I'm at my fight camp, or if I'm going 25s and if I want to stay as strong as I was at 35s, things like that, or if I end up going 45s um, to be able to keep my 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 cardio up because. The thing was, if I were, if I would go forty fives, I'm gonna have to put so much more muscle, and the worry is that I'm gonna lose cardio. Right. You know, but he wants to be able to keep that lactate threshold and me keep my cardio if I'm able to walk around at 165 pounds. Now, what other stuff does he have you doing for recovery? Are you doing any sauna work? Are you doing ice baths? Like, what kind of stuff? <clears throat> I have an infrared sauna. I do um, uh, do red light therapy. I do. Um, uh, What's, got, what do you mean by red light therapy? There's a, uh, a machine that I have in my house is called a, a Juve. It's um, a big red light. It's a 680 to 880 nanometer light that I stand in front of it for a certain amount of time to um, not only increase my testosterone, but to help recovery in my, uh, my mitochondria and my cells and flush my body out. Um, uh, what does that thing look like? Whoa, look yeah. at that. Dude, you're in the future. Yeah. Is that you? No. no. It looks like it. Mm-mm. Dude's but, jacked. Yeah, um, but yeah, I have one of those in my garage. I have a uh, infrared sauna in my garage. Um, I do. How ma- big is that thing? That, uh, this thing well, is that, it- there's new ones now that are huge. Like it's as big as my body. Um, they have ones that go on the back of your door. They have travel ones that you can take with you. That's really small. Really. The reason why I got into it was for uh, um, increasing my testosterone and the, and the motility of my sperm. Holla. Yeah, because I was I was <laughs> I was having um, my testosterone was low. 
and I wanted to increase it. And I saw this um, through Matt Brown, actually. Matt Brown's the one that kind of got me on this when I was out in Colorado. Shout out to the He's got some awesome training equipment himself. Yeah, he's, and he's a very knowledgeable, very well-read very, guy. Very. And uh, you wouldn't, like, people wouldn't guess that. You well, know? I, when I had him on the podcast, that's one of the things a lot of people said. They go, I thought that the guy was a caveman. <laughs> yeah, right. And he kind of is, but he, he's also kind of brilliant. He wants to be the caveman, like, manly man, yeah. but he's very smart about yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so he's the one that turned me on to that. And so I got into it and uh, I wanted to increase my testosterone, but I also read about uh, increasing motility in my sperm. I was trying to have a kid and we were having mm-hmm. trouble and this and that. And it could be that, could have been my diet. I switched so much up that I can't tell you which one it was, you know, because Sam helped me out. This helped me out. I mean, so I'm I'm doing that. I'll do hyperbaric chamber. I'll do cryotherapy. How often do you do the hyperbaric chamber? Um, only when I need it because it can mess with your um, – your hematocrit, you know, if I'm, I'm, I do a lot of altitude training as well too. Mm-hmm. So I'm trying to increase my red blood cell count and my hematocrit. Um, and then when you go and you get into a, uh, hyperbaric chamber, you're breathing hundred percent oxygen. Mm-hmm. So if I'm in it too much, right, I see it what you're will saying. lower my hematocrit. Right. But I do a lot of, he has a, he has an altitude, same as an altitude machine. He has me use it's called auto lab. Um, I breathe into it for a certain amount of time. And that's, again, another program he created. The company was around, but he created the program that I'm supposed to do to put my body in a hypoxic state for only a certain amount of time because you can overtrain yourself that way as well too um, to increase my capillaries, um, uh, increase the de- uh, vi- vasodilation in my veins, as well as increase red, bl- increase, increase red blood cells. That's amazing because, you know, one of the things that's a big um – well, I don't know if it's a misconception, but it's one of the things that people always talk about is that you should train at altitude. Mm. And you did that. You went to Denver, mm-hmm. and a lot of people do that, and they find benefits in that. But the thought process now seems to be that you get more work done at sea level. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So I thought the same thing, and then I met Sam, and I and I actually felt this, but I didn't understand it. Your body can't recover the same, or you can't push as hard right. at altitude. Um, and your body actually gets more dense at sea level when you're working out, you're able to push harder and your recovery is better. Um, and same reason why I think sleeping in altitude wouldn't help either because your body won't recover completely. Mm. Um, so I feel better training at sea level, but I use this auto lab for only a certain amount of time on and off with breathing uh, techniques and I felt the best the best benefits with that. So, so what does this thing look like? It's, you see, pull, what is it? You got it. It's uh, yeah, auto lab. Yeah, auto lab. It's just a mask, and it's got a bunch of cylinders on it. And the more cylinders you stack on it, the the more it's uh, emulating the uh, the altitude. It? So it's like breathing at forty thousand feet when you stack a lot of them on there. And um, so you're you're hooked up to this thing. How you have so a, you like use a gas mask on it? Yeah, you could use that where it's just like a snorkel. Right? right, or it could be a gas mask kind of thing. And you doing it while you're training? <clears throat> no, no, uh-uh. not doing it while I'm training. I'm doing it while I'm resting, on certain days, like a certain schedule. I can't do it all the time. So this thing without training, this thing jacks up your your cardio. Yes, it'll what? it'll help with your. Where do I buy one of these? <sighs> Alto. So know. you just you just breathe. Yeah, but I'd have to give you the the um, technique because you can overdo it as yeah. well, and you can end up hurting yourself as well too. And how long do you do it for? It says here ten minutes, or sixty minutes, and then uh, there's a program initial mm-hmm. fifteen day program. An hour breathing session will produce performance effects that last up to three weeks. Jesus, <clears throat> wow! Mm-hmm. So for a sixty minute session, six ten minute sessions. 
10 minute what's wrong with my voice six 10 minute sessions or In 10 intervals. minute intervals so you do a six hour. minutes on four minutes off so six yeah. six per hour and so you're basically doing these intervals where you're just breathing yeah, and it, it's one of those things. So you have a you have an oxygen um, reader on your finger. It tells you your oxygen levels because you want to put yourself in a hypoxic state. Right. And there's certain levels that Sam wants me to keep my body at. He doesn't want me to go too low either because your body will start producing a hormone that tells you you're dying. Oh, jeez. Yeah. And I've <laughs> we, so uh, Juan Archuleta, when I first met him, I was coaching Ultimate Fighter, came out and told me, he's like, hey, man, I've been breathing this thing. Sam tells me to do it. I'm like, all right, what do I do? He's like, just get your levels as low as you can. I was like, cool. I ended up passing out because <laughs> you, you get so <laughs> I'm, I'm, You know me, I'm very competitive, right? And I was right. like, I was looking at it and you're supposed to do for six minutes. And I'm like, oh, I got like 30 seconds left, but it's getting hard. Like I can make it the, less, the rest 30 seconds. Next thing I remember, I'm like seizuring on the couch. <laughs> I fling this oxygen monitor off my finger. And then I wake up a couple minutes later. I'm like, oh, shit. I passed out, you know? So wow. You can, yeah, you don't want to do too much. Yeah, 40,000 feet seems a little excessive. Yeah, oh yeah. But it seems like it would be amazing for hikers too or someone who does want to climb Everest or something like that. And you can acclimate yourself the, to the it. The person that started, I think they started it for some sort of disease and obviously everyone runs with it for mm -hmm. um, getting better results. Dude, I'm buying one of those motherfuckers. If I can get better endurance just sitting here and it, breathing. I mean, but it's work though, dude. Like Is you'll it? end up, oh yeah, you'll sweat, sweat. sometimes from it too, yeah. So yeah. it's just because it's hard to breathe with the thing? Yeah. So you want to get, uh, yeah, I mean, you're not getting, and sometimes I'll have to like pull off and get some fresh air and then get back onto it. Like you want to wow. keep your levels at it because you want to go too low again, you'll pass out. And is it a breathing exercise? Like, are you doing anything? Are you pushing? Are you, you learn, yeah, you learn how to- Like breath of fire type stuff? You learn how to get the carbon dioxide out of your body as well too. Like you really mm. learn a lot about breathing when you're doing this thing because you have the oxygen monitor on your finger. And when you want to increase your oxygen levels, I'll let more air out, right? Mm. But if I want to decrease my oxygen levels faster, I'll take shallow breaths. And I can learn that I can get my body in a hypoxic state faster by doing it. Wow. But then when I need to like get more oxygen in my body, I'll make sure to excel more of the carbon dioxide and then breathe in more air. So you kind of, it does teach you how to breathe better as well too. And then you're creating more capillaries, more lung strength, a lot of stuff. So now, he's going to be mad at me for probably talking about that. Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, now, are you breathing in through your nose? you breathing in through mouth. your mouth? Yeah. Always. I have my yeah. mouth, my nose closed, is uh, your, pinched off. Is your nose functional? Not so good, right? <laughs> my left is good. Yeah. My most, right's, yeah. Most fighters. Yeah. Yeah. My right side's, I mean, I'm a mouth breather. Have right? you ever thought about getting it opened up? I have, but I was told that um, for me to get it done, it's just going to happen again. Like it'll, it'll, it'll weaken the structural integrity of my nose and because mm. they got to like carve out the, because my nose inside is just crooked and mm -hmm. so they'd have to carve it out. And so the, they say that it'll just re-happen and I'll have to get it done again. So Yeah, I had it done. It was one of the best things I've ever done. Obviously, I've heard you I'm not say fighting, that. But it's one of the best things I've ever done. Is yeah. it, ready? Here. <sighs> Sounds so good. Like I'll be in yoga. I've been doing yoga the last like four days because I've been trying to keep my weight down. And then I make you breathe in through your nose and I'm just in the back of the house like. I'm trying, to, <laughs> you, trying to breathe in. It's the worst. When I used to do yoga before I had it fixed, the guy would tell me, breathe through your nose. I'm like, I don't, I basically don't have a nose. <laughs> you can fart in my face. I barely smell it. This thing's useless. <laughs> yes, exactly, man. I hate being a mouth breather at night too. Yeah. I wake up in the morning with like the driest mouth, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. It's yeah. the worst. Well, I mean, it's just part of the, part of the struggle, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. So, uh, cryotherapy, how often are you doing that? Um, when I have the time, I mean, Sam's. All Sam's stuff and the training I do is a full-time job, more than a full-time job. And so it takes a lot, um, depending on how much recovery I need. Um, 
we're looking to open up our own gym and putting our own cryotherapy in it so I can use it more often. Mm. Um, we're looking to team up with a, a company that wants to join forces with us and come into our gym and where they have hyperbaric chambers on hand, which I own my own, but I haven't been using it because I haven't hook, have it hooked up. Um, what, but do you, what company are you going with right now? Because have you, you have you gone to cryo healthcare? Mm -mm. They have the best fucking cryo tanks. Is, is there like a the, room or is it like the little one? It's a room. Say, is it? The room one is the one you want okay. because the little room one is cold air. Okay. You know, the woman who died in Vegas, mm -mm. you know the story? Uh -uh. She worked at a cryo place and she did it herself, unfortunately, and she had it adjusted wrong. And so... <sighs> It was like below her nose and she was breathing in this stuff and she blacked out and froze to death. Damn. She was working there by herself, unsupervised. You're never supposed to do that. Damn. You're never supposed to climb into one of those things unsupervised. I would have never guessed. The one they have in cryo healthcare, it's not liquid nitrogen that you that's on your body. Mm -hmm. It's cold air. So they're freezing the air with liquid nitrogen. And this is it right here. I took uh, David Sinclair, who's uh, um, he's a professor at Harvard and one of the leading guys in the longevity movement. And I took him there the other day. It's, uh, you walk in that chamber and, you know, you, you take, you, you put a little mask on your face and earmuffs on just to stop frostbite, 240 degrees. I'll take you there right now if you want. Damn, okay. we'll do it. Yeah, we'll do it right when we get out of here. I'm in, yeah. It's the shit. Okay. It's the shit. You, nice. You're in there for three minutes and it's so, I've done the below the neck and it's hard. Yeah. It's like, ah, oh, it's cold, but it's nothing like this thing. Because really? your fucking head is frozen. I don't feel like those are the ones I've standard, like the three minutes ones you're talking about are very hard. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. Okay. I'm glad we're nice. going to take okay. you down there. Yeah, yeah there's, a, there's a company called O2 that wants to team up with us. Like I said, they have like, red light therapy. We're mm -hmm. going to do uh, cryotherapy. We're going to do float tanks. I've nice. started doing float tanks since I uh, was listening to your podcast a really? while ago. Beautiful. And dude, that seriously, for me, it's like the only form of meditation I can get. Because yeah. otherwise I have too much stuff going on. I have my yep. phones. Mm -hmm. I got people asking me to do this. Mm -hmm. People ask me to do that. Like I have, it's awesome because you go in there and you have to like get rid of everything. Yeah. And I usually fall asleep. I usually go in there for the most part, like I'll, maybe like 30 minutes I'll be there and relax. I'll be like meditating, thinking about stuff. And then eventually I like, will wake up like, oh damn, I fell asleep. Dude, if you're ever around this area, I got mm -hmm. one right there. You can climb in anytime you oh, want. I'd love just to. Text me. Okay. I'll open it up. Yeah, Let you in here, man. It's, because this one right here, the float lab version, have you seen this one? Have you seen the one I have? No. It's fucking huge. Okay. It's giant. It's like you seven can't touch feet the walls tall and nine feet long. No, oh, it's wow. huge. It's okay. A, it's enormous. Okay. And the guy who who made it, this guy Crash, he's the reason why there are high-level tanks today. He's a mad scientist. Okay. And he's the guy who's behind the float lab. When you see how extensive the purification system this guy has, he's got like water purification systems that you would use for commercial purposes. Oh, wow. Like for a fucking, like a, a, a block, like a city <laughs> block, and it's just for this one tank. Okay. It's crazy. Oh, it's probably he's pretty a expensive maniac. then, yeah. It's very expensive. Yeah. He's a maniac. Okay. And so he makes the, these insanely overdeveloped tanks. And when I first got into tanks was around 2000. You had these like kind of thin plastic ones, which were fine. They worked. I had one in my basement, but then it busted and the, the water spilled out. I had to fucking get my basement drained. It was a nightmare. <sighs> And the guy who was fixing the tank told me about the float lab, which mm -hmm. is they have a place in Venice and a place in Westwood. 
and uh, they were fucking the 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 whole sport, the whole industry was dying. Mm-hmm. It was going away, and I didn't understand it. I was mm-hmm. like, "How is this so awesome?" Mm-hmm. But no one, no one knows about it's it. It's too much, huh? So, I, well, it wasn't that. It was just nobody tried it. Nobody yeah. knew about I it. I didn't try it until you, I heard yeah. you on a podcast, dude. I can't shut the f- fuck up about it. I dude, just, I love it. It's I mean, amazing. It's still, I mean, my life is crazy. I'm sure everyone's life is crazy. Mine's insane. I have too much shit going on all the time. So yeah. it's like. Seriously, one of the only ways I can shut my brain off. It's the only time you're alone with just your thoughts. Well, your body's not even there. Sometimes that's the reason why I like to take a shit. <laughs> yeah. Because <right? laughs> I'm by myself. Like My shits have been like three times longer because I go sit on my toilet. I'm like, ah, oh, yes. No Do one you know what the to key to taking a good shit is, though? What's that? Don't bring your phone. I know. It's you bring, the your, thing, you bring your phone, you start scrolling through Instagram, <laughs> looking at girls' butts and fucking explosions. That's and like the first attacks. thing you look for when you got to take a shit. Like, oh, where's my phone? I got to take a shit. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> my kids know. I grab that phone, I start walking into the bathroom and go, oh, Dad's going to the bathroom. be there for a while. <laughs> Me too, man. It's the worst. Yeah. I bet uh, cell phones have created the hem- uh, uh, like triple the hemorrhoids. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, right? <laughs> for sure. How long you sit on the toilet now compared to what you used to? Eddie Bravo has very extensive theories on creating hemorrhoids on the toilet like about what is happening to your ass ask him oh no he, he goes into great detail about the pressure of the bowl <laughs> that it's an unnatural pressure like squeezing part of your ass and uh, this part he of needs to create a toilet seat then <laughs> he needs to create his own toilet seat to well, get rid of hemorrhoids really the move is those squatty potties oh dude i have one of those dude those op- it's like whoa i didn't know how much in there yeah it's just woo yep. everything comes flying out yeah those i've seen excellent. you had a, a is that a toto in here yeah dude that thing's well, amazing a, um br- what is it brondell br- br- brondell i think those are the shit. I built a house out in Literally. Colorado and I put one of those in my, I, I don't want to shit anywhere else. Yes, exactly. It's like, dude, I just only want to go home and take a shit because that toilet seat's way better and it's got the bidet in it. It's awesome. So do you rent your house out in Colorado? No, no. You just go out there and visit when you can? Yeah, um, kind of like a little vacation house now. I mean, oh, I, live in, nice. I live in Orange County. Um, but I love I have, Orange County. I do, man. It's I, nice I, out there. I went to school down there. I went to school at Cal State Fullerton. So all my close friends I wrestle with are in the same part of their life. They're all of young kids. I, they're all they're all in the same area. So it's and not only that, my family's close. So I love Orange County. It's definitely been a great a change for me. But uh, Colorado's beautiful. How far are you from the beach? Uh, probably a half hour. That's not too bad. No, about a half hour from Huntington, Newport. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's it's nice. It's a it's a suit. I mean, your Berlin is like a family area too. Yeah, it's like such a nice little cool area. It's very nice. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. That whole area is nice. And Calvita's out in that area too. Calvita lives in your Belinda. Okay. Juan lives in uh, your Belinda. Cub lives in your Belinda. Oh, nice. So we got a good little like little family we've started there. All the guys I wrestle with in college live in the area. Well, um, it's nice to see guys. Uh, from both organizations with the UFC and Bellator training yep. together too. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I've seen that with you guys. And, mm-hmm. I mean, Bellator really now is like, it's a major player. Yeah. I mean, they have like major, major talent. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It's very interesting. Yeah. I mean, they don't get as much credit. Obviously, right. they're not those uh, big a promotion, but they have some of the best fighters. You know, they. Got, I mean, look, they they've got Gegar Mousasi. Yep. They got Rory McDonald. Yeah, Rory McDonald. Yeah, you can go down the list. It's. Mm-hmm. I mean, how about fucking Ryan Bader, KO and Fedor like that? Crazy. I, I I thought Bader was gonna win. I thought he was gonna use his pressure and, and just wear on him and, and out wrestle him. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's crazy. Ten seconds. Well, he clipped him with that crazy. It's like half a level a change. Yeah, level it, change, half hook, half jab. Yeah, I think he was getting Fedor to think that he was gonna drop for a mm-hmm. shot and then loop the hook over yeah, the top. Right. It seemed like he wanted to get Fedor to do that. Isn't that how he got sprawl. the knockout the fight before that too? Right. 
exact yes. same punch. Left hook. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I think it was a level change left yeah. hook. And you know, people are thinking like, oh shit, he's coming for a takedown. Well, as a heavyweight man, he's a motherfucker. Yeah. I mean, I, he I looks good. Think, he looks fantastic. His body looks good. He's he looks, huge. Yeah. I mean, he looks like a heavyweight. Yeah. And, you know, he's weighing 235-ish, somewhere around there, mm -hmm. you know, which is a, a great weight for a heavyweight. I think it's the best weight for that weight class. Yeah. There's that point of diminishing returns, right? You get to like 260, unless you're in Gano. Well, see, Ngannou doesn't know how to wrestle, so yeah. that's part of the problem. But yeah. but if he did, holy fuck. But as, as a, a agile as you need to be to wrestle, I don't know if he can move that fast. <laughs> he can yeah. move fast, man. Can that he? guy moves like a cat. Damn. He scares the shit out of me. Yeah. It's like if that guy knew, <laughs> if he knew like what everybody else knew, I just think he's so physically gifted. Yeah. I mean, when you see him punch people, it's like, it's a different thing. It's different. Yeah. Just a lunchbox coming at your head. The power yeah. is just preposterous. It yeah. just doesn't even make any sense. Yeah. If that guy could get with a guy like Dwayne and start moving and just, you know, not just rely on throwing hammers, mm -hmm. but setting stuff up and switching stances. And mm -hmm. I don't know if you can do that with that kind of weight. You know, like how long can a guy like that move, you know, move I bet around. Sam can get him to move that long. <laughs> I guarantee you, dude. Sam, like I'm telling you, like if I'm going, like for my body mass, if I'm able to walk around 165 and the lactic threshold he's told me I can have, I guarantee you could do it with a big guy like that. Wow, that mm -hmm. would be insane. Mm -hmm. Well, there's not a lot of big guys like that. That's the thing, too. It's like, who does he have to train with that's going to push him? Yeah. You know, th that is a giant problem with heavyweights, whether it's in wrestling or jujitsu or anything. It's finding someone that they can train with that's mm -hmm. that heavy, mm -hmm. that's that big. I mean, he's he's a legit, natural 265-pound man. Yeah. You know what I mean? Well, I feel like if you're getting hit by another 265-pound man, too, it's going to take more out of you. Even that's if you're 265 yeah. and you're getting hit by another guy that's 265, I still feel like your head can only take so much. Oh, yeah. 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 I mean, how much more can you take, right? Like, yeah. I mean, this is that's the football thing that we were talking about when we were talking about Jason Harrison. I mm -hmm. mean, he was a lineman mm -hmm. for UC Davis. Mm-hmm. And, you know, played a little bit in the NFL. He was a bench warmer, but, you know, was training with those guys. It's just that, that when you're dealing with gigantic, huge dudes slamming into each other like that, the force. Yeah. I guess you got to do more of like the drilling, what we're talking about, or yeah. like live, like live drilling, you yeah. know, where you're going with like partners that you can trust that you're going to do 50% sparring. You're not yeah. going to crush each other, but you're going to get that reaction time kind of stuff. But then you can wrestle hard. You could do jujitsu hard and get that, that hard training that way, but then drill the right ways striking, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Now, um, as far as, uh, your recovery stuff, did you detail everything here? You got the red light. You have your your infrared sauna using like one of those fit spas. Which would kind of? Uh, I think it is a fit spa. Yeah. Is that the kind that has like a TV in it? No, it's got it's got Bluetooth for uh, listening to your podcast. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> it's got it's infrared, so it's 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 got the red light. It only gets to 140 degrees, right? What, but uh, the infrared makes you sweat from the cells inside out, mm -hmm. um, which I feel is better for the recovery. Um, I do like the super hot ones, like they do something to you that like. Um, it's hard to describe when you get out of it, like when it's really hot and you feel great. Um, but I feel like I get more recovery out of the infrared throughout my body. Same reason why I use the juve red light therapy. Um, ice baths. No, I don't do ice baths. Hmm. They're torture, <laughs> but I've done the cryo. And again, too, I don't do that much of it. Um, I think mainly I need, I get my recovery from, uh, taking the days off I need to mm -hmm. most of my recovery. Like, uh, I take, I take more days off now working with Sam than I've ever taken in my past. Um, when I was working with Dwayne out in Colorado or at alpha male, 
I would just go, 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 go. I thought working more was going right. to get me there better. And that's um, probably why your testosterone was dropping. hundred percent. Right? I was redlining myself. Yeah. And so I take more days off now with Sam, but the days that I'm not taking off are a lot harder. Um, just knowing when to cycle those days off, like you have to rest and I, mm-hmm. my sleep, um, I, I have a one year old, so I created a guest room that I'll sleep in during camp. Cause I got to get my nine hours of sleep. Right. Um, and knowing what days I got to take off. Um, and, uh, those days will be off from training completely. I'll try to like go take my son on a walk, go hang out with my family. Um, obviously I got less of that this camp because I'm going 25s. It took a lot more work. Um, but just making sure to take those days off. What about massage? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. How often do you do that? As much as I can. I mean, I'll do it. I mean, I don't think you can do too much of it as long as you got someone that's knowledgeable. Um, but massage big time. Something where you can act. And that's another way to really relax and shut the brain off too. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, anything to get my, really, your recovery needs to be dropping your cortisol levels. If you could drop your cortisol levels, everything else is going to go the way it should go. Um, which is another thing I test throughout my camp is my cortisol levels. You know, maybe I'm doing too much, um, outside of training, like too much, uh, sponsorship stuff or mm. my fit to fight program or all my other businesses, my flavor Republic, which by the way is excellent. I uh, tell people about this stuff. This stuff is really good. You sent me you. this a while back. Yeah. You've got some great rubs. This is a uh, honey garlic. It's all healthy stuff. It's yeah. called Flavor Republic. This is not, I mean, this is a plug, folks, but I'm yeah. not getting paid for this. this is, I just love, I love it. Yeah. It's Thank really you. great stuff, man. When And I got into it because I met a, um, a jiu-jitsu guy. He's really, his name's Kenny Tinney. He's really big into jiu-jitsu. He was taking Propecia. And it messed up his testosterone levels. We were talking about this before the show. It did the same thing to me. Yeah, it messed up his testosterone levels. So he had to get into his diet to kind of recurve what he had going on because he was taking insane insane amounts of therapeutic level of testosterone to get his body back. Um, and so he wanted to get his diet on point so he wouldn't have to take as much test. Um, and as well as I teamed up with just an average Joe. He's just a guy that wants to get into fitness and wants to be healthy. But us three, we created this because I got into my diet so much because I'm not eating any sugars. I don't go complex. I'm, I'm pretty much going like paleo, keto. And so. And every time I wanted to do meal prep or Sam wanted to do meal prep, we couldn't use spices and seasonings because if you look on the shelf, they have like 14 grams of sugar and a bunch of table yeah, salt. Yeah, we were talking about Traeger. I love Traeger's grills and I love the rubs. And their barbecue sauces and everything they're too. They're so good, but there's some fucking sugar in that shit. A That's lot. why they're so delicious. Exactly. And so we created this so that we could do our meal prep and still be healthy. You, know? you got an espresso rub. Ooh. That's really good on your uh, wild game. Yeah, I bet. Yeah, it's really it's it's like a, it's like a peppery. Like, that one nice. doesn't sell very well because I think it's called espresso rub. People don't really understand it. Yeah, espresso blend. So we almost need to change it to like a Colombian something, you know? Because like, <laughs> they're like, coffee. I don't put That's coffee it? on nothing. Well, you know? People don't know, man. We were talking about with Ben Greenfield yesterday. Coffee rubs are fantastic. Awesome. And he was saying that coffee actually re- reduces the amount of carcinogens on cooked meat. Oh, really? Yeah, like <laughs> having it on the outside that it acts as an antioxidant and reduces the amount of carcinogens. The first time I tried it was a, uh, um, a piece of meat I got at Whole Foods and it had an espresso rub on it. And it mm. was amazing. Yeah. So like, we need to make that. Like I'm telling you, like all the wild game I have, like it takes away any of the gamey flavor. Let's get that. It doesn't sell as well because people don't understand, but it's really right. good. Do you Are you getting any hunting in? Do you have any time? I did this year. Nothing successful. Um, after my Cody fight in August, I went out in the middle of nowhere in Colorado by Estes Park and hunted by myself. 
I did like. Oh, that's a, a nice getaway, huh? It, dude, it, my phone didn't work. No one could text me. No one could wow. get a hold of me. I slept out in the middle of the wilderness by myself under the stars. Ooh. Like, kind of freaky. I've never done that before, you know? Um, but Shane I, Dorian was telling me about that. That it was like, you got to do it. It's He's like, it's crazy. one of the best things I've ever done. I like hunting with people because you get to get, like, really to know them, right? Like, you yeah. go sit around the campfire. Everyone that splits up, they go hunt. You talk about your day. You get back to the campfire and you. You really get to know each other, and I go with my brothers and my dad all the time. We, it's one of my favorite things about hunting. It's the best. Yeah. It really is, and you really, like, really get to tell stories and get to know each other. It's awesome. But I went by myself for the first time this year, and that was an experience as well, too. Like, you got, like, just hunting on and doing, like, the wilderness by yourself, like, making sure you How don't get lost. How many days did you go out for? Three days. So did you backpack in? Yeah. Oh, well, no, I got to drive in. Okay. It wasn't- So you I, went to a trailhead? Yep. And how much you carrying on your back? Uh, it's probably, like- 40, 50 pounds. Okay. Probably. So yeah. you got like, like a, a day pack and yeah. like, yeah, and I got that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I'll just hike back in and, and you have a bow, mm-hmm. you, my bow. Yeah. Yeah. I, I really only like to hunt with my bow. Yeah. I will do some rifle, uh, just when the opportunity comes, but do you have time to practice with my bow. I do. Yeah. 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 Um, it's kind of another escape for me as well too. Like another way, like maybe my off day, like right. my days that co- if coach tells me to take a day off, maybe I'll go shoot my bow or if I'm in Colorado, I'll take my boat out or go fishing, yeah. things like that. So yeah, it's one of my, my hobbies. Like even if I'm not getting ready for hunting season, I'll just shoot just Dude, to shoot. Next time you come here, you got to play techno hunt. Is this the one out here yeah. in front? But you haven't seen that yet, huh? I've, I've played it. I've played it at an archery shop in Colorado. It's like a 3d hunting yeah. or it's a video game pretty yeah. much. And you shoot like these magnets at the screen. Well, it's not a magnet. It's just a, a the, instead a of a broad head, it's flat like okay. the head of a nail. Yeah, it's cool. And, and it's a Kevlar screen. It's very realistic yeah. too. Oh, it's amazing. It like gives you a score if you get like a vital shot mm-hmm. or yeah. if you wound the animal yeah, exactly. and stuff. It's cool. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I'll have to bring my bow next time. It's super addictive. Yeah. Man. I mean, you got the fantasy factory here. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, I don't even know if I'd go home if I had this place. <laughs> well, now uh, I got a bunch of stuff here for my kids. Oh, really? So yeah. So like, you see that inflatable thing out there? My I was girls in gymnastics. So I figured that was just a judge how far you're shooting from no 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 no, no that's bouncy okay. that thing's all filled up with air my okay. my uh, 10 year old comes in here and does fucking backflips and shit but with a concrete around it she's a fucking freak man really? she doesn't care i'd be scared as shit yeah. it's like it's like not very wide you got to let them you got to let them do wild shit. I, I guess well, so. there's the mats out there too. The jiu-jitsu okay. mats. She does them on that too. Okay. And she but, does gymnastics? Yeah. That's hard on your body. It is. Yeah. I've, I, when I wrestled, we had a gymnastics team and they were always in the physical therapy. They were always hurt their backs, their mm-hmm. ankles. So. But I think 10 year olds, it's like, first of all, I just see the shit she does. Like she could stand here and take her hands and, and touch the back of her ankles. Yeah. She just bends all the way back and it's like, what? How the fuck does your body <laughs> even work that way? Yeah. I look at this 51. One year old fucked up body of mine from all the years of beating on it. It's like, ah! but all the all the weightlifting you do is yeah. gonna make you stiffer too. I mean, all oh, the years for of sure. Just, yeah. I mean, not knowing what I was doing, just lifting meathead style, and yes. then just get like, yeah. you know, like right now I'm training with Sam, and we're going heavy just to keep my weight. Like, we don't know. What, I don't know if we're going 35s. I don't know if I'm going 25. So or we're, 45. Or yeah, I'm just keeping my weight where it needs right. to be. And getting a lot stronger. So he's telling me, like, we're adding all this muscle. Make sure you're doing your yoga. And mm-hmm. that's that's why I've been doing that as yeah, well, Yeah, that's the other thing I wanted to talk to you about. Outside of yoga, are you doing stretching? Yes. yes. How Sam, often do you guys stretch? 
Well, I stretch before every, I do a dynamic stretch before every practice. Um, before practice is interesting because most people don't, don't agree not, with that. Well, static, static. Sta- don't do static. I don't like doing static stretching before I work out. I'll so do by static. dynamic, you're constantly moving while you're stretching. Yes. It's, a, it's something I've learned from Lauren Landau out in Colorado. Mm. And something I've added to my fit to fight program is I go through like a whole dynamic warm up that I do before every practice. It's like a walking series, you know, like a walking knee hug, a walking mm-hmm. pull, quad pull, uh, inchworms, like things like that. And like a quadruped series that'll keep keep my hips loose, things like that. I'll do that before every practice. Um, but then at the end of practice, you do a little bit of, uh, I don't do as much static stretching. I do more dynamic kind of like mm. in movement stretching, you know, same thing as like, I mean, I get more flexible. I got so much more flexible when I started kickboxing just from that throwing like a head kick, throwing mm-hmm. a head kick and just opening your hips all the time. Yeah. Um, but before I throw a bunch of head kicks, I need to do my quadruped series to not mess my hip flexors up or my, my psoas will get tight as shit. You know? Do you have so, one of those so rights? Do you mm-hmm. have one of those? I heard Chandler talking about that. I got that. one for you. Did you? Yeah, I got a gang oh, of them. Really? It's a sponsor, so they okay. give me a bunch of them. That nice. thing is the shit, man. And you lay on it, right? Yeah, you can do all kinds of things Dude, with it. It it's hurts hard. Though, yeah? Fuck yeah, it hurts. Yeah. But it works. Because I had a psoas messed up for one of my fights before my Joe Soto fight. I couldn't throw a kick. So two weeks before the fight, I couldn't throw kicks. I was like, fuck, man. Like my ba- I thought it was my back. My mm. lower back was toast. I was like, I had a massage therapist working on my back, working on my back. And then finally I got with someone was like, no, dude, it's your psoas. And they started digging in my psoas, and it was so freaking painful. Until Chandler brought it up, I didn't even know it was a muscle. I didn't even know what the fuck that was. Dude, it's a motherfucker <laughs> to get that work done. David Goggins had an issue with it as well. It okay. was keeping him from running. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it messes up your whole core. Yeah, but this is a simple plastic okay. device. You know, you lay on it. They sent me a box of them, man. I got I one see for it. you. I see it on my Instagram now all the time. It's a sponsored ad. Mm. And I always like, because he's Chandler talking about it. Yeah. So I was curious. Chandler's really into his body and working out. and He's got his own workout program and stuff too. So I know Yeah, he's his Instagram it. page is good to follow. It is. He's a fucking freak. I mean, he looks like a bodybuilder. Yeah. yeah. He's a freak athlete yeah. too. I mean, yeah. he's doing. A, he he's does these uh, medicine ball backflips. Oh, yeah. Have you seen those? Yes, yeah. He, he's he'll an do athlete, backflips, slam the medicine ball, backflip, yeah. slam the medicine ball. Like, yeah. Jesus Christ. Christ, man. Yeah, he's a killer, man. He's another one at Bellator. Another yep. fucking stud. Yep. I mean, he's one of the best 155 pounders on the planet. No doubt about it. 100%. I agree with that. Just they got to change the name. Yeah. Scott Coker, I love you, but <laughs> that name's whack. Yeah. Bellator. What is I a know. Bellator? I have no idea. Yeah, I, I have no idea. But I, mean, I feel like you can kind of feel the difference in the promotion when you go. They're getting bigger and bigger, yeah. right? Uh, but you can feel a difference oh, when yeah, you're there. Of course. But you see the talent that's in yeah. there and you're like, oh shit, you know. And they but got Goldie over there now. I miss Goldie. Goldie's Shout awesome. Shout out to my man. I saw him when I was there. He's always just, always puts a smile on my He's face. He's great. I His love his energy. That guy. I miss him. Yeah. I love John Anik too though. Yeah. You know, I and, and um, you know, I just think uh they just don't have the funds that the UFC has. Yeah. You know, it's just they don't have the the deep pockets. Mm-hmm. You know, the UFC's just and the UFC's been around for so long. Mm-hmm. They just know how to do They've it. They've just made the right moves. I mean, look, they were the ESPN man. That's mm-hmm. so crazy. It's amazing. Like, I'm so happy. So awesome. When that was signed, I was so pumped. Just to see, think what it's going to be in five years when they're yeah. when five years with ESPN. Like how much we're going to be on TV and yeah. the shows they're doing. They're doing this thing too that's like, uh, not only are they going to follow the winner around after their fight, they're also going to follow the loser around. Whoa! To get into your life, ooh! Like, like I mean, yeah, it's gonna fucking suck. Like, you think about it, it's like I don't want a camera following me around after right. I lose, but they want to see how it affects your life. Like, like me, I've been, I mean, obviously, I've been pretty pissed off about it, you know? Right, I mean, right, it, right. Like me, if I wasn't staying busy with my businesses and my family, like I would lose my mind. You well, know? like I would like to see that. Like, say Brian Ortega after he fought Max yeah. Holloway, yeah. he goes into that fight looking unbeatable yeah. and gets just 
just touched up mm-hmm. you know max holloway just touched him mm-hmm. up man we, we really got to see who the fuck max holloway is after that fight and his distance control and his pace and everything his, his output everything yeah. he's just a champion yeah. he's just a fucking champion yeah. his mindset too. Yeah. yeah he's just a champion he's gangster dude he's as gangster as they come <laughs> i love it he's so gangster and ortega's as tough as they come too man he yeah. just wasn't ready for that yet mm-hmm. it was i think he will be man like he's oh, yeah. he's like you're saying like that, like have a camera phone around after a loss. Like, mm-hmm. I think he's looking for new things now too. Like oh, he, yeah. that's what, I mean, if you're, if you're a guy that takes a loss and you don't branch out to do new things, right. you're never going to get better. Well, his jujitsu is off the charts. Yeah. When he grabbed a hold of Cub's neck, when yeah. he got the Darce at the end of the first round, I was like, holy shit, it's yeah. over. Yeah. But the, the bell rang and mm-hmm. he got out of it. Mm-hmm. But then the second round, when he jumped on him and grabbed that guillotine. He went over the top of him like yeah. while they're standing up and clinched and got yeah. it and then came down on it and then had it in the air. Yeah. It's nasty. Yeah. His technique is so fucking sharp. Yeah. And he could do that with everything. Yeah. I mean, arm bars, triangles. I think he's got like a good squeeze cardio too. Oh, yeah. You know? Well, you know what? He's he's real legacy jujitsu. Mm-hmm. He comes from you know that Henner and Huron camp, mm-hmm. and you know from that's Horian school and where Hoist was from. Mm-hmm. That's the Torrance crew. I mean, that's that's right from the fucking motherland. Yep. And that is, and you know, there's a term that some people get offended by. That term is basic jujitsu. I'm not offended by that at all because the, some of the very best guys of all time, whether it's Hodger Gracie or Hickson, you don't see them doing like weird stuff. It's all very standard. It's not... I mean, there's basic striking. Yes. Like, look at Max Holloway beat Ortega. He right. used basic striking to beat him. Distance control and yeah. one-twos. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, basics win national titles in wrestling. 100%. A high crotch. 100%. You know, a sprawl and spin yeah. behind. But it's the level of the basics. Yes. And this is what I was going to say about Max Holloway's jiu-jitsu. It's like the level of his basics. He's just, it's so fucking polished. Mm-hmm. It's like as a, as a person who loves martial arts, for mm-hmm. me, when I see someone whose technique is that sharp, I'm like, mm-hmm. woo! Mm-hmm. That's what I want to tell people this is why i get frustrated when i see people that are on their back and they're in the open guard and their are their legs are just kind of sitting there flailing away and the guy's got his arms on the ground i'm like jesus christ he's he's giving you it arm you. bars yeah. he's giving you omoplatas he's yeah. giving you a sweep he's setting himself up yeah and, and people don't know what to do that's one thing i've added a lot to my game lately is being at gracie baja with felipe de monica is my jiu-jitsu and i haven't got a chance to show you i've been talking about it mm. like my cody fights but obviously those were ended on their feet this one i didn't get a chance to show it i was hoping we were going to go to the ground like i wanted to out wrestle pseudo you know yeah. like i felt strong it felt good my, i was working with daryl christian on my wrestling my my jiu-jitsu has been on point with felipe and i've been adding a lot of like crazy stuff to it um because like Dwayne's only been out three days a week right and we kill it while Dwayne's out here but then when he's gone I work on all my other stuff so it's forced me to get into my jiu-jitsu a little bit more as well and uh I've been doing so good man I've been wanting to show it off but I haven't got that chance yet does he have you ranked does he give you a belt I don't do any gi um he calls me me a blue black he's like (laughs) you you a blue belt but really you black you know (laughs) so he calls me a blue black don't you want to wear the gi just to get a belt I do um, I always just out of camp. I always figure out like, I run out of time, like yeah. to get in there. Yeah. I, like only time I feel like I can go and do gi training is when I'm not in camp, which I want to do it until I get a fight lined up. I'm actually was just thinking that I'm gonna go and keep my weight down. A good way I can do in yoga, but why not go and do some gi jujitsu, um, just to do it for fun. Yeah, um, and and show that I can do gi. Um, it's fun. It's it's a, it's a whole nother game. Yeah. But when I'm in camp training, 
I need those fast scrambles, especially being on a lighter weight mm-hmm. class. I need them wrestling scrambles and especially For finding sure. a guy like Cejudo. Like we're not going to do jujitsu. We're going to do grappling. We're going to do MMA jujitsu. Right. Know? Of course. Yeah. And so I needed that kind of like fast motion, um, especially with smaller guys. But, well, especially sweaty and slippery yes. and you, you really need gable grips and overhooks. And, yep. Yeah. 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 There's so. just, you, the, the problem with gi jujitsu, there's great things to it. One, you have to be very technical with your defense. You can't mm-hmm. just muscle out of things. Mm-hmm. And that that's a big shock for a lot of people, mm-hmm. like wrestlers in particular. They're used to just exploding out of things. Getting out of everything, yeah. And then reengaging. And when yeah. you get you, you get your collars grabbed, yeah. and you're like, oh, shit. Someone's you know? choking someone you with your, your own clothes. Yeah. Someone has your sleeve, and they have your collar. And you're like, ah, yeah. oh, fuck. Yeah. I'm locked up here. But it's funny. It's like more realistic for the street fight. Oh, yeah. You know? like Well, that was going to say, like, the last thing you ever want to do is get, like, in a street fight with, like, someone who's a judo oh, practitioner. Yeah. You know, like you're just getting like um, uh, John Hackleman had uh, he had a thing on his Instagram yesterday about that, where it's like he's pointed to the to the the floor of the cage. It's like now imagine this is a fight. This is concrete, and this is you, and someone getting hoisted <laughs> in the air. It's like take down defense, which is so fucking true, man. Yep. Yeah. So so true. I mean, you if you got in a, a like Hector Lombard. Or something like that as a judo. Yeah, there it is. Imagine this is you and yep. this is concrete. Fuck. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, Especially if somebody really fucking throws their legs up in the air and comes down with you. Fighting in the street is so dangerous, man. Oh, Jesus. It's it so is. dangerous. Just hitting your head on the concrete. Oh, man. Someone getting knocked out and hitting their head on the concrete. It's just so dangerous. Yeah, and it happens every goddamn day it's with so people ridiculous. who don't know how to fight. Which Because is they the watch this shit and they think they can go and do it. You know, they're like, oh, I can fucking do that. Get a couple shots of tequila <laughs> yeah. in you. Yeah. yeah. It's the best YouTube videos ever is watching that stuff but it's always like oh man that guy might be dead well if he's not dead he's fucked up for a long time yeah yeah i don't think people understand i think i'll do more jits once i'm done fighting like gi jiu-jitsu mm-hmm. just to try to get ranked you know i'd like to be a black belt one day sure for sure you know, i'm just, sure you can make it too. just just to have that uh would you like to compete I don't know. I don't know. When I'm done fighting, I don't know if I want to compete ever again. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I've competed my whole life. I've competed since I was eight years old. I've never had a job. Like, I've had side jobs and stuff, you know, but I've never had a Like, like a, a real, career. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I thought I was going to until I dropped out of school and decided to become a, a MMA fighter. My parents like, you're crazy. I don't well, know. Well, you're, you're obviously crazy, but the most crazy thing is that you had this thing in your mind that you wanted to out-wrestle Cejudo. Yeah, I like can't. Oh, it's different. Head. It's different, man. MMA, MMA wrestling is different. Yeah. It really is, man. I mean, he's, trust me, that would have been a feat in its own, right? He's a great wrestler, but it's different, man. Um, but the fact that you wanted to do it. Yeah. I want the I want the toughest tough, man. Like, I'm... I live by the sword. I die by it. I go out there. I, I sling leather. I brawl. I want to fight. Like, I don't have boring fights. Um, I want to... That's why I want to challenge Max Holloway. That's why I want to beat Henry Cejudo. I want to be the best. And to do that, I feel like you really need to challenge your name. Um, I'm not just talking the talk. I'm not just doing it to, to talk shit. I really want to do it. Now, where does the 135-pound belt sit right now? Because you're the champion, yeah. and if you do decide to pursue the flyweight title again, yeah. for everyone else in that bantamweight yeah. division, this is a, kind of a clusterfuck, yeah, right? Yeah, I agree. Um, we got a big fight on Saturday with uh, Sensao and uh, Marlon Marias. Yes, you know, huge the, fight. And they, they've already fought before, too. So yes. um, we'll see what happens with that fight. You know, And um, Cody Garbrandt's fight in Pedro Munoz. That's a, that's a good fight that's, as well, too. That's coming up soon as well right yeah yeah that's coming up in march i believe is that what that is that the vegas that's a, card yeah 235 yeah, yeah. so there's um, a bunch of big fights in yeah. that division yeah but yeah. i'd say the one that that, that really kind of plays a factor would be a and marlon Marias. yes right yeah um which 
I have beaten uh, a Sensao, right? Mm-hmm. Marlon Marais has been looking good as well, too, but Sensao's got a big win streak. So yeah. uh, we'll see, man. I mean, it depends if I fight Cejudo at 35s, too. Like, I don't know what's what. I mean, obviously, I want it at 25s. He's talking about saving the flyweight division. Let's pump this thing up. Let's get it done. Like, I want to. But you don't want to relinquish your 35 pound no, crown. I, so I don't. what if they yeah. come around and they say, hey, you've got to defend? I, I want to be active, too. That's right. also something I want to say when I was getting on here because I'm calling out 45s. I'm calling out this, but I also don't want to be the guy that's just going to walk away from my belt either. Like, I want to be the Cowboy Cerrone and be more active. I haven't been active enough lately. I've been too long at gaps of fighting. But because these fights have been built up, hyped up, people get hurt, this and that, yeah. I want to be a little bit more active. I'm always in shape. I'm always in the gym. Um, must be a little bit more of the – I mean, one of my training partners, Juan Archuleta, he fights – he fought four fights for Bellator in 10 months. You mm-hmm. know, like I want to be a little bit more active. That's how I get paid. I'm sure. turning 33 on February 7th, so my career is not going to last forever. I want to start collecting them paychecks, you know. When do you think you're going to – do you have a, a game plan or when you're going to ride off in the sunset? Uh, Not necessarily. I guess when the opportunities that doesn't seem – doesn't seem like it makes sense as well as maybe my health as long as everything's going well um i feel healthy um which the way i've been treating my body is the healthiest i've ever been um which is crazy um so as long as i have the right people around me like my wife and my coaches they'll tell me like look man you need to hang it up and i feel like i have those people around me like i don't want to be the i mean i don't want to talk shit i don't want to be like the chocolate l fighting mm-hmm. because i need it right right another reason why i've created other businesses to i don't have to fight right. i don't i don't want to fight because i have to you know, so I've been I've been really smart with my money. I've been really smart with my investments to where I could walk away. You know, but um, I have too much to prove right now. You know, I have too much to, to get back. I'm first and foremost this fight against Henry Cejudo. Um, well, I'm, I'm glad to hear that you are like thinking about that. That you're planning for the future. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of guys that have done like Mike Bisping has planned yeah. very well for the future, mm-hmm. and you know, uh, there's. You know, Brendan Schaub's like the fucking gold standard. He's yeah. really taken off yeah. since he's decided to retire. Mm-hmm. But it's, you know, there's a lot of stuff that you can do. Yeah. It's good to see that you're doing this. And uh, tell people how to get a hold of this, uh, Flavor Republic Spice Company. Yeah. We're on uh, flavorrepublic.co. We're on Amazon. Um, you oh, can, cool. Yeah, you can find us anywhere. I mean, obviously, uh, I love people to go to our website to really check out who we are and the story behind us. Um, I've started my fit to fight program at tjdillashaw.com. And you have an app as well? Uh, my app, you know, well, it's, it's Sam's app, but I've created with him. It's called Train Champ. Um, that's at traininglab.com. Um, so th- there's like a difference. So if you're into martial arts and getting in shape, t- uh, my fit to fight program is, is going to not only make you better technically, and it, I feel like it's one of a kind. It teaches. MMA for everything. So MMA, like kickboxing for MMA, boxing for MMA, uh, wrestling for MMA, and jiu-jitsu for MMA. So it's like MMA. more of an instructional thing, but it's also uh, like training programs? And strength conditioning for MMA, right? Oh. It, everything's based around like a fight camp. That's why it's fit to fight. Sam Calvitas is like the, um, if you're really into your body, want to be healthy, want to get in crazy shape, or if you have goals to gain weight, lose weight, get your hair analysis done to realize like what's in your body or supplementation, they do go hand in hand, but it depends like, so if you want to just be more of like um, getting in shape and be healthy, that one's like, you'll get more information than you can ever imagine off of, off of Sam's app. Like when I tell you about stuff, it's hard for me to even explain everything. His app or his website will tell you more about it. And your stuff is all web-based, your Fit to Fight program? Yes, so, yeah. So like iPad, laptop? Yes, my Fit yeah. to Fight. Like once you buy the Fit to Fight, you get all, like it's 140 videos. It's like all the cart. You get them all. Like I, There it is. And I run you through like um, 
So say we're doing kickboxing today for our, our workout, like I've run out of class. We're going to do kickboxing drills, and then I'll pair them up with a strength conditioning workout that will make you better at kickboxing. You know, maybe I'm doing some core stuff or some uh, footwork drills, and then I'm doing um, how to throw a head kick, things like that. It's um, it's a full full schedule. You know, Badass little website, too. That looks yeah, nice. Thank you, man. It took, it's taken me a long time to build it. Um, been over a year of recording videos and building it and obviously it's like 15 years of my knowledge of me putting in through wrestling and in all my mma career and stuff too so i've been doing that i'm i'm doing so much i have a uh company i'm starting also well, not starting i'm franchising out a cold press juice company in your belinda called clean juice it's really cool i'm opening that up here in the next couple months so nice i am i'm really thinking about my future i got a one-year-old kid and i got you know, futures of having more kids. And so I want to be able to be around and have my career set up for that. You know, that's awesome, dude. Yeah. Well, listen, best of luck to you. Congratulations on everything you've done so far. And I uh, can't wait to see you back in there and let us know like when you're fighting again and we'll let everybody Trust else know. Me, I'll let everyone know, man. I really Thank appreciate you, it. Thank, Thank you very you. much. TJ Dillashaw, ladies and gentlemen.